0: Hey, welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corinne Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with special guest host, Kenny Cashman, who joins us once again to help break down week two from the NFL. A lot of action going down this weekend, starting with a couple of low-scoring games between struggling offenses, featuring teams we root for as the Patriots, Edge, the Steelers, Bucks take down division rival Saints. We'll talk about those games. We'll talk about Trey Lance's devastating season-ending injury with Jimmy Garoppolo back as the 49ers starting quarterback and a lot more, a lot more debates and questions to answer uh, from this second week of football. And uh, We'll wrap up the show by counting down our top five favorite Nintendo video games of all time in honor of the anniversary of the founding of the original Trading Card Company. So with that, let's get started. I can't believe I'm missing the bachelorette season finale for this like I you know I, I don't want to make football ruin my life this year that is my number one goal I'm coming off a really strong birthday week I'm also missing the the affable chat stream return uh you know I was really hoping to do that i like the idea of us not recording on Tuesday like normal but I also really wanted to have Kenny on the episode and you know if that's what we had to do I'll uh, I'll stick through it. So, you know, I guess welcome back with that.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back. Thanks for uh, making the sacrifice. I was just about to say <laughs> it's a big sacrifice. Well, I can't yeah, believe oh, I didn't is. even know that there was a full season of The Bachelorette and that it's ending. It up is over. I didn't even yeah. know it was happening. Yeah, That's they had crazy. two
0: this year. Like the finale was tonight. I thought it was over. Like so, I. I say I had a great birthday week, not just an individual birthday. I mean, it, it started last weekend and this, every night seemed like something was going on, whether it was just hanging out with a few friends, hanging out with Brian, recording a podcast, that was fun, or going out and just kind of ruining my body for a few days because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, I got to buy Corey birthday drinks. Like, okay, we're doing this three nights in a row, but I – um. I spent Friday afternoon watching, thinking like, okay, I'm just going to be done with it. Good. And they're like, oh, we have another episode next week. I'm like, are you kidding me? But here we are. Um, and uh, yeah, I i mean, we can jump right into it. We had week two, NFL, Steelers, Patriots, and first game at the newly renamed Akersher Stadium, uh, just like the name change. I think that both teams playing and this one sucked but one of them sucked a little less and that was your patriots and i guess that's kind of how we can jump into this one
2: that's a very accurate way to describe it who can suck less in this game cuz we no longer have the the typical 425 game of the week when it comes to these two teams we i feel like that's been always been the case with these two teams with the patriots and steelers where it's the
0: first time in at least torridian
2: brotsberger you always be the the 425 slate, and typically at Pittsburgh for whatever reason. Uh, Definitely been a lot of good games, but in terms of entertainment, in terms of a good product, this one certainly was not... uh, I mean, it was close, sure, but definitely was a very sloppy game, uh, particularly on offense, which we kind of expected, but still kind of disappointing. But it is good that uh, the Patriots, for, for me and Kenny's sake, that they got the win, and it was not a perfect uh, birthday weekend for you, Corey, since the series <laughs> lost. But look for the Patriots. You could you could make a case it was a must win game now, it, which sounds kind of silly because like all right, well if they lost, they'd be zero and two, and there's still be 15 more games to go. But I feel like if they lost this game, they'd be zero and two, and they they have Baltimore in week three and Green Bay in week four, and yes, those teams have their issues, but. I certainly think they're better than the Patriots. And basically what I'm trying to say is the Patriots, if they lost this game, 0-4 was on the table. And which after that, there'd still be 13 more games to go. Great. But I I feel like there's a lack of buy-in with this team. And if you put yourself in a, a 0-2 hole to start the year with two pretty good teams coming up in the schedule, that I, I think the Patriots season could end sooner rather than later. And I still don't think they're going to go anywhere, but I just think that winning this game, even if it's against uh, a mediocre team with a crap quarterback like Trubisky, even, even though it's against them, I still, it's still a win. So um, I'm happy about that.
1: Yeah. I remember probably 15 years ago, Corey criticizing Patriots fans for the whole a win is a win thing, but it it is i'll take it it's i don't expect to have uh too many times to celebrate as a patriots fan this year and i'm i people criticize i think low scoring games a lot not that this was like super low scoring but um i don't mind low scoring games i don't i certainly don't mind close games um i think a game that's close is always going to be somewhat entertaining and interesting because it you know even if it's not a good game it keeps you on the edge of your seat but I do like to see, you know, the score being kept low or the game being kept close because there's good football happening, and there there really wasn't uh, with this game. But um, I'll, I'll take I'll take the win uh, as a Patriots fan. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence uh, in the Patriots having uh, for, for week three. Seeing seeing how they played against Miami in week one, and then seeing Miami and Baltimore playing this week, uh, week three. Uh, is 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 a is a frightening idea. Uh I don't know yet if I'm going to be at the game. Um but I've been at Patriots games with Ravens fans when the Ravens win and it's not a particularly fun time to be there for me. So we'll see. it, it is, you know, op- opening opening day at Gillette is is a good time. Um I'm not I'm not sure yet uh what's going to happen with that weekend, but uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in in the team. Uh I don't think the game's going to go particularly well for the Patriots. Uh, so I'm just, I'm glad they got one. Like Brian said, of the, of the next two weeks, I, I'm honestly more afraid of the Ravens than the Packers at this point. Um, but I don't really have high hopes in the, in the Patriots in general for this season. Um, so yeah, it was against Trubisky who I I think we can just say at this point is bad. Um, to put it I, to put I, it I'm nice. not going
0: to argue too strongly against that at this point. I mean, I I was I I came into the season with expectations that maybe his year in Buffalo would turn things around or at the very least he would come in and be the kind of quarterback that the Steelers need given what their offense looks like. And after the past two games, it's really hard to not be you know, inching closer to wanting the rookie to to get a shot and just say, look, Trubisky is just not the guy.
2: I was even on the same page with you, Corey. Even as the biggest Trubisky hater, even I was thinking, you know what, hey, maybe a year in Buffalo as the backup, maybe he could have picked up a few things there. And with this second chance as a starter, maybe he could possibly turn things around. And he has some athleticism, but just – the eye test alone, he he sucks as a quarterback. And uh, I mean, I'd still start Trubisky for this next game, just given that it's a short week. But no, at some sure. point, I will. Yeah. I would like to see Kenny Pickett in there. At the same time, though, is is it a good idea to have your franchise rookie quarterback behind that O line? That that worries me a little bit. Getting him killed. Uh, that yeah, that that's in the back of my mind. But at the same time, it's. It's like, if you if you want to have a, a season here, at some point you got to start picket over Trubisky, especially if Trubisky is going to look like this.
0: So I don't think the offensive line has been as terrible as advertised. I think that the offensive line has, I'm not going to say it's been the least of the team's concerns, but I've put way more of the blame on Trubisky and Matt Canada, who I spent 30 seconds of this offseason even remembering that Matt Canada was still the Steelers offensive coordinator, and He's just not an NFL coordinator. He's barely a college coordinator with the offense he runs. I still think that Trubisky deserves a lot of the blame when he's looking for a check down right away on like third and eight. I don't know what he's thinking there. If he's just afraid to air it out or if it is simply Canada wants him to do that. And that's how the offense is supposed to go. But I think overall, the offensive line has not been a killer. And, you know, maybe it's just that there've only been like a handful of sacks at this point. But I, I saw like videos where the offensive line was seemingly creating holes and Najee Harris decides to just bounce to the outside because he doesn't trust them still. So, you know, I don't know how much of that should still be placed on the offensive line, but I think that the the line getting Kenny Pickett killed should not be like a as big of a concern as I thought it was heading into the season.
2: A lot of people seem to hate Matt Canada. <laughs> like
3: Steelers Oh, everyone Kansas. does, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one of those it's things. Just, where no, it's I just not you. Like-
2: I, I've I've heard that opinion uh, from from other Steelers fans and and, and just Pittsburgh in general. Yes, so- I
0: think that yeah I think it's a pretty common thought at this point uh I did at least so you for, have an
2: offensive coordinator.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing is like you know i uh, would I rather have a guy who shouldn't be an n f l coach or someone who at least has some credibility as an n f l coach just not at the position they're coaching? It's not really a great situation either way, and I think both of those guys deserve some blame uh if not most of it for the the team's offensive struggles to this point but Canada is not really an upgrade over Matt Patricia as crazy as that is to say
2: I'm, I'm just jealous i go ahead go I, I'm jealous of
1: you Corey because you, you say you talk about having you know giving Kenny Pickett a chance and having you know maybe the chance to to turn things around and have a, a better team I, I don't really think that the Patriots have that opportunity short of their their personnel just getting better I, there's not really anything that that I can see them doing this season that's going to dramatically change the way I think the season's going to go. Um, and I, I, you know, it's very early to talk about playoffs, but looking ahead at their schedule, I don't have high hopes for them to do very much at all in that regard. So I'd almost, you know, I'd almost wish that the Patriots would have this long shot of an idea of like, eh, maybe let's try this and see, see how it goes. Not that Kenny Pickett would be really a long shot, I feel, but, um, I don't know. I just it doesn't feel like there's gonna be anything that really changes the Patriots season uh that I can see in the cards anyway.
2: I mentioned this to Corey last week. They have they don't have a lot of great players outside of Judon. Yeah, yeah you talked and about that, yeah. The offensively, they're not getting anything out of Devontae Parker, even though he's playing a lot of snaps. And then Kendrick Bourne doesn't play any snaps now, which is yeah. just crazy because he's not great, but he is a good receiver, and he showed that last year. I don't know why he yeah. doesn't get on the field more. And Nelson Aguilar had the greatest game of his life <laughs> yesterday uh, on Sunday, but I don't know stolen, how stolen
0: interception, like a <laughs> pass targeted to Kelly Witherspoon, and said, "Nope, I'm going to intercept this and score a touchdown." So uh,
2: yeah, that yeah, that was an under kind of an underthrow by Mac Jones, even though it was a great play by Aguilar. Well,
0: it was a great play by Aguilar. Yeah.
2: Yeah, at, the same, at the same time, though, I don't know how sustainable that is for Aguilar. But Jacoby Myers—that's probably the one really bright spot, consistent bright spot too. Because even though he'll never score a touchdown, he's he's the he's the all reliable on that offense. Mac Jones is always looking to him if he's if he gets in trouble in the pocket, he's looking right to Myers, and he had thirteen targets in this game, and so he's certainly looking his way. And I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, feeling great about him and his outlook on this year, but, and then the the running game is pretty good with, with Harris and Stevenson, but yeah, there's just not a lot of upside with that offense. And I've talked uh, several times about how I don't like the coaching in terms of off offensively with the play calling of Matt Patricia. And then Joe judge as the quarterback's coach. I, I hate that they're here, but at the same time, I don't want to just, trashed them every single time we talk about the Patriots because I don't think Mac Jones was... Yes, they got the win, but I don't think he was especially great in this game. Like I mentioned, even though it was a touchdown, it was an underthrow to Aguilar on that play, and luckily Aguilar made a great play, but he also made some mistakes in this game that could have cost them. There were multiple passes that were not interceptions but could have easily been, and then he had that interception, I think it was to Minka again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just... I just, I don't, I don't like how, so the coaching I don't like, but I don't think Mac Jones did anything to show that the Patriots could have a, you know, another chance at the playoffs the way he's, he's been playing the first couple of games.
1: Yeah. I, I think Mac Jones impressed me in his first year in that he wasn't great, but he showed potential. And right. I kind of, I really needed to see that he built on that in the off season, and it it doesn't look like it doesn't look like there's really anything more there than there was last year. And like I said, he impressed me last year, but it 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 was like a good starting point. And it, if that's if that's if he's not going to progress from there, then I don't really think there's a there's a ton there.
2: He's certainly uh, better than I thought he'd be, but I'm always going right. to question his ceiling, especially with right. just given how many freakishly athletic quarterbacks there on the league now
0: yeah and I mean that kind of goes back to what you're saying with the the Steelers at least they might have someone else they can turn to I mean it, it's Mac Jones right. it, Bailey Zapp is not gonna be that guy obviously Brian oh, Hoyer no. is uh past <laughs> his time so and uh I mean if Cam Sutton makes that interception doesn't drop that ball that Mac Jones just threw right to him then who knows how this goes because the Patriots still in a punting but that was when you had the Gunnar Olszewski Bill Belichick secret agent, uh, you know, muff pun <laughs> off his face masks. That set up a that was easy ten touchdown. It
2: took, it took a, a former Patriot player on special teams to to give the Patriots that win, and yeah, <laughs> ball hits him right in the face. That was, that was check check
1: Gunner's Instagram. It's not long ago that he's on record saying he's a Boston guy now. Okay, so it, you know how far deep does that go? I don't know. He's talking about the Red Sox, but
0: he said it you know that is a a frustrating thing to think the, the the two patriots touchdowns were on a like you said Mac Jones kind of throwing up a prayer looked like it should have been intercepted and Aguilar makes an insane play for a touchdown and then another ball that should have been intercepted intercepted doesn't happen special teams error and that that was it 17 points was all the patriots needed to win this game so um yeah, I, I think that both of our teams should definitely be concerned. You know, it's kind of like last week where the Steelers went over the Bengals. Is like, yeah, it was a great win over a rival, but you don't feel amazing coming out of it. And, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is I feel like I mentally downplayed the loss of TJ Watt, thinking that the Sealers still had enough guys on that defense, given how well they played against the Bengals. You know, Alex High spent the three sacks. Cam Hayward had made his presence, felt. Obviously, Minka, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, but... You know, other than that, Minka interception, no sacks in this game. Just the third time for the Sealers since 2017. So that uh, that loss feels large. Could have made a difference in
2: this game,
0: for Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean,
2: the Patriots were able to kind of run the ball down their
0: throat those last six and a half minutes. Like they, they, the Seals needed someone who could step up, and I think that TJ Watt could have been that guy.
2: So TJ Watt, defensive player of the year last year, obviously a huge loss. Uh, If they had him on the field, I'm. I don't think the Steelers are like a playoff team or Super Bowl team or anything, but in this game, I think it could have made the difference. Just especially just given that they lost by three points and it was a seventeen to fourteen game, and and the fact that the Patriots' O line wasn't it was actually pretty good in this game compared to Week One.
0: Yeah, that's so it could yeah. definitely the loss, see, of, uh, loss of him Cole could have made a, a,
2: all the difference.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, definitely tough to see Cole Strange win the one on one battles with Cam Hayward. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that wasn't such a terrible pick by Bill Belichick after all.
2: I still don't like that pick. I don't care. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Sealy's Thursday night football against the Browns. If Trubisky still can't throw for 200 yards, you got 10 days to get Kenny Pickett ready for the Jets in week four. That's, that's my mindset at this point. I don't want to totally give up on Trubisky, but it's, uh, you know, it's getting to the point where it's like this defense is I, I good would enough still, to win you games. So
2: I, I would still start him just because it's a short week and
0: yeah, no, for sure this he, week. If he sucks you again, get a long the, week after ten after days. That. Yep,
3: whole yeah, 10 days a, a long week, a, week that
1: a long week that leads up to the Jets, which I know you know the Jets have maybe not been playing like the Jets all the time so far, but I'd still ten days and then the Jets. I would say if Trubisky can't do anything next week, I'd say start him.
0: Yeah, and Start I know there are a lot it, of, yeah, definitely a lot of Steelers fans are feeling that way. A lot of Steelers fans want Kenny Pickett week one, so you know they <laughs> they certainly haven't had their mind changed. You know, of course, all those fans chanting Kenny as they boo Trubisky off the field. So yeah, that felt good for I me. Noticed
1: that I, too. I thought they were cheering for me.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm just eating Doritos. I don't know why you're cheering uh, my name,
2: Corey. I'm really glad that you understood my my SpongeBob. Yeah, the, the picket fence with yeah. the, the picket, the picket fence. <laughs> yes,
3: that was yeah, yeah.
0: The
2: picket fence, picket sign, ding dong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, talk about another one of Kenny's, you know, several teams and <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like the Seals, Patriots, this is another low-scoring affair, second week in a row for the the Bucks. That the defense shined and the offense had it struggle so the point where Tom Brady's throwing his Microsoft service on the sideline we had a huge fight in this one Mike <laughs> Evans and Marshawn Lattimore once again they get kicked out of the game and then Bucks kind of figured it out Brady throws the touchdown pass Rashad Perriman Jameis Winston throws a touchdown pass to Mike Edwards next thing you know it's 20 to 3 and the Bucks walk off with a pretty comfortable victory in some regards but also with some question marks so I guess I want to start with you Kenny how concerned are you at this point about the the Bucks offense and Brady and really Bucks in general through these first two games, despite the two victories?
1: Um, well, if, to start, you must have you must have heard I just heard uh, maybe an hour ago that uh they they signed um
0: Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. What's
1: his name? Co- yeah, Cole Beasley to their practice squad, who and then they talked about Brady being close with him over the past few weeks and months, which I don't like for a number of other reasons, but uh <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm certainly concerned to a degree, but I, I don't know. I mean, Evans was, Evans was stupid to do what he did and, and to, to jeopardize the, the team really to, um, to, to get himself kicked out. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was too, to hate to each other. how long <laughs> I know. And it, it, it looked stupid to me. Fournette, Fournette was kind of he like threw a shove, which was which was bad, and then Lattimore threw a worse shove. But then Evans just
0: coming. Evans, in and he had to, to because just like, because of his reputation yeah. with Lattimore. It's like, oh, it's, I'm not letting these guys fight Lattimore. But I agree, it was really dumb. It, it was, was talking and, that turned into almost right. a punch, like you know,
1: and like yeah, and talking that turned into shoving, and it's like, okay, the shoving is don't make talking turn into shoving, but at least that's just gonna like get broken up probably. But then when when Evans comes in and does that. Have they have they said how long is if he's suspended? One he's
3: suspended
0: you know, one game. game. He's appealing, but I'd be surprised if it gets right. overturned. I, he'll
1: probably still be. It's probably just a formality to appeal it. Uh-huh. Um, but but so you know, it's concerning to me that he's out. But um, I you know they should get Godwin and, and Julio back, uh, relatively soon. I think I haven't seen any updated update on that recently. But you know, I one, one thing from watching Brady over the years is that. It matters who's around him, obviously, but he typically, from what I've seen, has been able to make do. Um, so you know he's still got he. You know I don't. Scotty Miller wasn't as much of a factor last year, but he he and Scotty Miller seem to have a good connection. Brady's first year there, um, he still got him there, and maybe Cole Beasley um, Evans should be back after a week. I'm not overly concerned. Uh, I did see uh, Fournette, uh tried to put put ease to the minds of his fantasy football owners one of them being me about his touchdown (laughs) so I I trust him hopefully that's good uh honestly I think that this was one of the more concerning games for me for the Buccaneers just because of how they've played against New Orleans the past couple years since I followed the Buccaneers uh New Orleans have has been a really difficult matchup for Brady and for the Buccaneers so you know, this was a hard fought game and I wasn't overly comfortable with it at any point, but seeing them pull it off, I I feel better than I, than I expected about, about the team uh, at this point. And I think it's, it's early and hopefully that hopefully they can kind of, uh, their offense can heal up and and stop throwing punches at, at the, at their opponents. And I don't know, it, it could still go either way for sure, but I feel pretty good about about where they're or not necessarily where they're at but where I think they're going to be in a few weeks.
2: They're still one of the top teams in the NFC and the league in general. And so that's certainly certainly good for them and their defense has definitely stepped up. Now that they they played the Cowboys who 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 suck and they don't have much to throw to uh, since it's just CD Lamb and uh, a lot of scrubs after that and a washed-up Zeke in their backfield. But it's but still a still great defensive performance. And then in this game, yes, Jameis is a turnover machine, but still, again, another good defensive performance. Again, even though it's Jameis as a turnover machine and not having Kamara, like you said, Kenny, they've struggled plenty in the Brady era with in Tampa uh, versus New Orleans. Because outside of that playoff win, uh, during the Super Bowl run, they haven't beaten the Saints. Yeah, they're zero and four, right? They're Zero and four up in in the regular season uh, until Sunday's game. And right. So even though as as bad as it looked, they were able to pull out a win, which is which is good. And I'm definitely concerned about the Bucks, uh, especially their O line with the amount of injuries that they've had and the guys that they've that have left uh, Tampa on their O-line and then their weapons all being unhealthy or just getting in fights. So, so they'll get, they'll likely won't have Evans first green Bay, but they'll get him back in week four. And then who knows what will happen with Godwin and Julio, but they're not done. F- they're not gone for a long time. They may or may not be back for week three, but either both those guys shouldn't be gone too long. And so there are definitely some concerns, particularly on offense, because defensively they've been amazing but they'll still be one of the top teams in the NFC and should still be a contender but but yeah we'll see <laughs> this
0: feels like a team that everyone is going to spend all year questioning them for injury reasons you know just things not going great uh particularly on the offensive side of the ball and then all of a sudden we're going to look up at the end of the year and they're going to be like the number 1 seed in the NFC Partially because I think the conference as a whole is not that great. I wouldn't think they would be there if they were in the AFC, going up against some of those teams. But it just, I guess, for me, when I've looked at the past two weeks, I've gone in expecting the Bucs would lose games on the road. And, you know, I don't think the Cowboys or the Saints are juggernauts, but I thought both of them were good enough. They've both shown promise in head-to-head matchups against Tampa the past two seasons. That they should be able to pull out wins. And you know, while offensively. Things didn't look amazing. The the defense limited both of those teams. You know, Dak Prescott was not able to do anything before getting hurt. James Winston, I guess, was playing through an injury, but he looked terrible right. either way. So the the Bucs came out and won both these games. And now I'm just kind of like, well, it feels like they they're gonna continue to do that and find ways. And the next few weeks will be tough with Green Bay and Kansas City. They do have the fortune of having both of them at home. But then maybe all it's going to take is like a showing against Carolina or Atlanta where they put up, you know, 40 points and it's like, okay, this team is back. Like, this is who we think they should be. Um, You know, obviously, you have the whole off the field drama still going on with Brady. We can only assume that's that's somewhat affecting his play, but uh, there's more factors than just that. And he looks so
2: mad. (laughs) I've never seen him this mad. And he gets mad all the time. He's
0: blown up on the sidelines before. I don't know the last time it happened in week two. Like it feels right. pretty early for, for that to happen.
2: His body language sucked in his last year in New England, but his, so his body language sucks right now at Tampa, but like he's getting pissed on the sidelines. He's already throwing the tablets like you said, Corey, week two. <laughs> yes. Not 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 middle he of the year. He apologized for the
1: tablet. He apologized for the <laughs> tablet.
0: Yeah, he did have that happen last year when they played the Saints, but that was in yeah, December. Yeah. You know, end of the year. Like, okay, it's really starting to build off. Yeah, week two, it's it's early. I mean, well, when you're signing Cole Beasley, it, things are pretty. Yeah. You're down bad, so <laughs> you got you got plenty of problems you got to figure out there. So,
2: it's it's good it's good that they're in the NFC though, because yeah, the NFC they wouldn't be probably wouldn't be at the very top of the conference, or it'd just be way more competitive for them. And yeah, I think they'd still be up. You know, yeah, up they'd still in be the, a playoff team, everything. But, but not, yeah. But it's not just that the NFC is a not is definitely them, a weaker yeah. conference. Yeah, yeah, easily.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's the the biggest thing that they have going for them is that they have a lot more margin for error and you know time to figure things out because you're already two weeks in and a lot of teams that uh, maybe thought we would you know they'd be like the best in this conference have their own struggles and uh, you know might be even worse positions. So. Um, that that's definitely kinda of my mindset at this point that, you know, until the Bucs actually start losing these games, it's hard to be overly concerned about them, at least in terms of the, the rest of the NFC.
2: There are definitely flaws and concerns with Tampa on offense, but there's nothing that shows that there are fatal flaws on their team. I guess the offensive line, in my opinion, is the biggest worry. But again, it's it's early and there there aren't any signs of fatal flaws yet. Uh, for Tampa right now just concerns
0: yeah I I would agree with that so let's you know continue along here and uh, definitely some disappointing news that happened this weekend Trey Lance who I think uh, a lot of people were excited either way to see how things would go with the the young guy that the 49ers traded multiple first round picks to go up and get He finally got to get his opportunity to go out and start. And in the first quarter of this week's game against Seahawks, goes down with what seemed like a bad ankle injury and quickly ruled out. And after the game, announced that he'd be done for the season. So uh, definitely tough, but Jamie Garoppolo is still there. And now he's ready to take over. So I guess... What are your thoughts on how everything has played out? I mean, Brian, Trey Lance is your MVP pick coming to this season. You had the Niners in the Super Bowl. You know, what are your what are your immediate thoughts on you know how this has shaken up things?
2: I think it's a shame, just because I think and many others do think that he's a extremely talented player that had a lot of promise for this season. At least I thought, I certainly thought so. And but what sucks is that so he sucked in week one there's no doubt about it but at the same time it was really bad weather not having Kittle and it, it, week one it's first game first game jitters even though he's already started a couple games last year it, it's his first it was his first start as the as the full-time starter and he didn't play well and this looked like a prime bounce back spot facing a Seattle team that you could say kind of had their own Super Bowl on Monday Night Football versus <laughs> uh-huh. versus the Broncos, where like that was their big game, short week, emotion, coming off an emotional win, and like this is the perfect spot for Trey Lance to show that that he's the real deal. And the first drive it looked promising, but then all of a sudden he immediately got hurt, and it was a it was a like Gordon Hayward, Dak Prescott looking kind of kind of like looking like injury there where his ankle was just in a different direction. It's like, yeah, that his season's over, which is a shame. But at the same time, they did keep Jimmy Garoppolo and lucky for them because I I certainly wouldn't count the Niners completely out. Like, I wouldn't say they're done just because Jimmy Garoppolo, he's obviously been the the starting QB for San Francisco for the past several years, and he's led them to a Super Bowl, and he almost led them to the Super Bowl last year. And even though – I've been critical of Jimmy at times about his play and that he's kind of the weaker link to that team at times, but <laughs> I, I, I certainly can't count them out, even though I do think it hurts their chances, not having Lance and having Jimmy in there certainly can't write them off. And I, uh, with Jimmy in there. So, so lucky for them, but at, uh, at the same time, it's a shame that Lance got hurt this early and with that severe of an injury and. What are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, I just feel so bad for Trey Lance, and you know, I I think Garoppolo looked good for not, you know, being not expecting to be the starter. Um, I I think he looked good, and I agree with everything Brian's saying. Of you can't rule him out; it's it's impossible to say. I I, I will say I don't have a ton of faith in Garoppolo. I like him; I've I've always liked him. I mean, obviously he former Patriot, but um. I don't know. he he looked good. He looked good this weekend, but I, I don't know. And and maybe, maybe I'm just ignoring the past because, like Brian said, he he brought him to a Super Bowl and almost did it again last year. But I I don't know. I think. I feel like I feel like I I want to say that maybe his, uh, his heart won't be in it as much because he's only there because of an injury. But then again, he looked good over the weekend, so really tough to say, but mainly I just feel bad for Trey Lance. It's, it's really terrible. You know, like Brian said, he started a little bit last year, a couple of games, but it's, this was his, this was the start of his career. Um, and you know, he's still going to have a career. He'll be back next year, but w- what a crushing way to, to, to have it go. You know, you get one week, a little shaky, you get second week, you're out, you know? So I, I enjoy watching Garoppolo. I'm I'm happy for him, but it's really terrible the way it happened. And hopefully Trey Lance just is able to recover well over the season and, and come back next year and have what would have been this season. He'll be able to do it next year. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely sucks for Lance. Like it, there's just no other way to, to look at that. I mean, the guy, like you said, didn't, he wasn't off to the best start either in this first five quarters. So, you know, it, it's tough to, to know exactly what we're going to see from him when he comes back from this injury I mean it's I imagine it won't be easy to recover from I mean, we did see Dak Prescott come back last year at the Cowboys and lead him to the playoffs but he's someone who had a lot more experience than Lance did not just in the NFL but football in general I mean Lance has barely played since 2019 and it'll be 2023 the next time we see him so it uh yeah I mean no other way to look at it I think that Coming into this season, the expectation should have been higher for the Niners because Lance was billed as this perfect guy for the Kyle Shanahan offense. Obviously, they gave up a ton to get him. This excitement to think that maybe he could be the next in line of a lot of great quarterbacks who they kind of stepped up after, you know, a year or two, uh, whether it was just completely on the bench like Patrick Mahomes or being a starter, but like maybe being rushed into early like Josh Allen and thinking that he had a lot of traits like those guys and he could lead the niners to the Super Bowl. So I think overall their ceiling takes a hit going from Jimmy Garoppolo, who we've seen as good enough game manager to get them wins and guide them through the regular season and through the playoffs with loaded weapons and loaded defense. But at the same time, it almost feels like their floor is higher because Lance is no, such an unknown sense. commodity makes, and Garoppolo's not. That makes not. perfect sense.
2: That so if, I, if, Lance, if Lance showed that he was not ready again, then their floor is higher with Jimmy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I really like their chances of making the playoffs. I think the, the Lance felt much more boomer bust, whereas Jimmy, you kind of know what you're going to get. And like we've talked about, the NFC is not that great. They're one and one, which is good enough for first in their division right now with the last. the division victory <laughs> over Seattle. I know, but they do have the tiebreaker, so I think that the Niners are still in a good spot. Their super Bowl odds actually went down from twenty to one to eighteen to one. So they, they, you know, Vegas thinks they're in a better position. More just they feel like they can trust Jimmy more than they could trust Lance. You know, as crazy as that might sound. So, no, uh,
2: that makes sense because yeah. Lance, like you said, is the more boomer bust, unknown commodity, but certainly shows upside, which is why I thought coming in the year the Niners had a much bigger ceiling with Lance in there instead of Jimmy. But Jimmy knows the system, and yeah, like you said, their floor is higher uh, if with, with Jimmy in there. So, but so that's why you can't count count them out completely. But it, I I personally believe it hurts their ceiling. I yeah. I would reverse it in terms of the odds.
1: I feel like with with Jimmy they will be good. I don't think they'll be great you know and I, th- I think yeah, they could make the playoffs. I don't think that they'll go deep into the playoffs um and I think they could miss I, 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 I don't know I don't know why I just don't have I mean Garoppolo has been has been okay with the 49ers he I mean I guess good you know he did bring him to a Super Bowl but it just even watching him in that Super Bowl, I just never felt like they were going to win even when they were on top. I I just I mean it was against Kansas City too, so it you know Kansas City maybe in in arguably their prime um but I just I just I don't know. I I something about him on that team I just feel like it's I feel like he's going to crumble. I don't think I I don't think that they I, I see them missing the playoffs personally. And you know, the NFC is weaker, like you say, so maybe that's, maybe that's not, not the best take, but if they make the playoffs, I don't think they go far. I just, I think Garoppolo's last season with them. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree that their floor is higher, uh, in that Lance could have gotten better. I think he would have gotten better over the next few weeks. Um, but we also don't know. So their, their floor really, they could have, they could have tanked the whole season. We, we really don't know that, but, um, you know, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll tank with Garoppolo, but I don't think they're going to excel either.
2: There's still a, there's still a lot of good pieces on both sides of the ball. So I, I still think they're a playoff team.
1: It is. It's only one, one, uh, position that has been switched out. So that's, that's a good point.
0: I mean, I think my bigger concern is, is Jimmy going to go down next? Because we've seen that be an issue with him. It's not just his ability on the field, but his ability to stay. Yeah, and every other year, it's like even year, he goes down. 2016 in New England, 2018 in San Francisco. 2020, he dealt with injuries throughout the season. So, you know, not to say that trend is definitely going to continue, but that, to me, would be the bigger concern.
2: A lot of quarterbacks in the league, they play through injury, unless if it's a torn ACL or something as horrible as what happened to Lance or Dak a couple years ago. Uh, unless counting out horrific injuries like that, a lot of the quarterbacks in the league they play through injuries and they start every game. But Jimmy's—that's probably my biggest criticism of Jimmy is that is that he he does not stay healthy, or yeah. or maybe he's healthy enough and just doesn't play because. He certainly got criticized by Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman about not playing in week four versus Buffalo. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. When he was in New England when he was suspended.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, I think that to me would be the bigger concern. I think that if Jimmy can replicate what he did last year, the Niners will still be fine. And, you know, we'll see how things go in the playoffs. They did barely get in last year and end up making a run to the NFC championship game, which you can um, maybe say was because of the teams they face, more so themselves. But, uh, yeah, it definitely feels like an overall blow to this this team and their Super Bowl chances, which is unfortunate. And, got to hope that Lance can come back next year and you know this doesn't set him and his career back too much Uh, one thing to
2: mention though about the Lance and Jimmy is that they're two completely different quarterbacks and so yes Jimmy's not the most uh he's certainly injury prone but they're not going to run plays like that where Lance's run they're not going to be as run heavy of a team as they would have been with Lance in there and so basically what basically I'm trying to say is I don't know that I don't know. I feel like they were kind of careless of him with Lance. I don't I don't know if that's just me or were they were kind of careless of him protecting him and running him in the ground a little bit. I don't know.
0: How much do you think that was on Trey Lance though? Like
2: I don't know. It's just it's such a freak thing, but uh... at the same time they ran so much like he, or he runs so much or they run so many plays of him running. That it was kind of bound to happen, him getting injured. But at the same time, nothing like like that wasn't uh, something I'd imagined. That was just a freak thing. But I don't know.
3: I can't. Yeah, help I guess it. I guess it's always
0: problems. like with with quarterbacks when they're they're scrambling outside the pocket, making plays on their feet. It's how much of this was this the design the whole time versus the the quarterback f- couldn't throw the ball and thought they were better off taking off on their own. So. But I I do understand that concept as well. And I agree that Jimmy's not going to be rushing, you know, 10, 15 times a game. So, um, but I guess with that, let's kind of move forward here. And we're going to do things a little differently, at least compared to last week, where it's not going to be talking about every single game, but we're going to try to group teams together, kind of find ways to be able to talk about as much of the action as possible. And, I think that with this week, there's a lot to discuss, you know, a lot of craziness on the field, a lot of teams that maybe didn't play as well as we would have expected. And let's start with the craziness. And we had three teams find ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, just horrible collapses started with the Cleveland Browns blowing a 30 to 17 lead to the Jets with less than two minutes ago. You had the Ravens blowing a twenty-one point fourth quarter lead to the Dolphins, and then finally the Raiders up twenty to nothing at halftime over the Cardinals. Later 23 to 7. They end up losing in overtime. So of those three collapses, which do you guys believe was the worst of this weekend?
2: So let me just say all of them were bad. <laughs> let me get that yes. out of the way. Because you can make a case for all three of them. But so if I were to rank it of of the not as bad to the worst. So, uh, number three, I'm going to go with the Ravens. It was bad uh, giving up that big of a lead. But at the same time, it's it's Tua, Jalen Waddell. Those are two of the fastest guys in the league. And th- the Ravens did have a decent amount of injuries on their team, particularly on defense. So, I'm going to say, like, they're again, they're all bad, but that's probably the least worst of the three if I had to pick again the 21 point lead that's pretty bad but again the the dolphins weapons on offense were, were particularly Ty- Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wild. Wow, those guys went ham in that game and good for good for Tua because he certainly received a lot of criticism by people about his play and it was the first time he looked like an NFL quarterback so so good for him uh number 2 i went w- i'm going to go with Las Vegas uh, th- the way they lost was terrible with Kyler running around everywhere and getting that two point conversion. And then they need to score another touchdown and then get another two point conversion uh, to, to just tie it and get into overtime. And then you know, late in the overtime, the Ravens, the, uh, not the Ravens, the, the, the Ravens. Raiders, they got the ball and then Hunter Renfro, he fumbles it. And then Cardinals, they pick it up and score and win the game, a game that, they really shouldn't have won. And that look that was just a terrible fourth quarter and overtime for Las Vegas. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to go Cleveland because Nick Chubb, all he had to do was not score and they would have won the game, but he ends up scoring, which I don't blame him in the moment. Cause you're not even thinking about that. The game's over, but looking back on it, it's like, yeah, if you, if you didn't score, the game was over, but they score miss the extra point. <laughs> And then the Jets get it back, score a touchdown, and then the onside kick, they they recover, and then they score and they win the game. Against the Jets, against Joe Flacco at home. Like, that's that's terrible. Uh they're all bad, but if I had to pick one, I think that one's the worst because they had a clear shot of, hey, just don't score and you win the game. Kind of like a Todd Gurley kind of moment. Not as bad, but you know what I mean. And it's the freaking Jets with Joe Flacco <laughs> who who who's probably won more games in Cleveland than anyone on that team. <laughs> so Oh
0: yeah, definitely, I mean 18 and 3 record against the Browns, so
2: so if I if I had to pick one, I will go with that, but they're all bad.
1: I just want to say I I didn't I didn't see any of these games live, but uh I went to watch I went to watch highlights for them. And I knew I knew that Brownie the elf was going to be at midfield in <laughs> Cleveland, but I was not prepared for seeing that live in a game. Uh, that was that was something else. Uh, insane, absolutely insane that uh that that is that that is on a a real life uh the, pro- professional. The second football field. I saw
2: that that Brownie the elf was a uh, midfield, the first thing I did was text you. Oh, but- I thought it
1: was a joke when you sent that to me. I really thought that was a joke. <laughs> uh, Insane! It would almost make me. It would almost make me like the Browns more, honestly, if it weren't for one Deshaun uh, Watson. But anyway, um, I, it, these were all really bad. I think that I agree that the Ravens were were the least bad because uh, it was kind of more of a slow burn as as Miami crept back and uh, and it was and it was a close game for a few minutes, as opposed to just like quickly flipping around.
2: I was just impressed um, by how good both offenses were too. Oh, I know.
1: And again, that makes me terrified for next week with the Patriots. Um but yeah, the the Browns, the Browns game was really terrible. Uh to to have to have the um to to have them miss the extra point and then they give up the the 66-yard bomb, they lose the onside kick, they give up a touchdown, they throw the pick trying to get uh, trying to get a field goal, range. Oh, that's
2: nothing I forgot. Yeah, they yeah. get it back, and then Brissett throws, uh, throws a terrible a interception.
1: And then Joe Flacco, a New York Jet, takes a knee on Brown of the Elf's face, <laughs> like just just the icing on the cake. I, I, it's I think that they were really bad, and and the Raiders, the, the Raiders were were bad too. To, to I don't know something about having it go into overtime, it makes it worse. Just to feel like you, let like, I, I think one of the worst feelings as a, as a, a sports fan. Or even when I play video games or anything like this, the um, to to mount a comeback and still lose, to to bring it back to tie, to bring it to overtime and lose, is is terrible. And to have a team come back and uh and tie it up and bring you to overtime, I guess because I just said to to almost come back and lose is worse. I'm saying this isn't as bad, but it's a really terrible feeling to have them tie it up. You, but it's okay. We're still going to overtime. You know, we still got a shot here. I, that that's really bad, but I do think just watching how quickly the Browns collapsed, I think that has to be the worst of the three.
2: Yeah. I'm going Browns one, but really close Raiders. Two. Yeah. Th- those
1: were, those were pretty comparable. I think in terms of how bad they were, whereas the Ravens dolphins, yeah, the Ravens had a big lead, but outside of the fact that they had a big lead, it just felt like a good game. And it's really sad for I- the Ravens to do everything they did and lose. But it, I think you know like i say, other than the big lead it was just kind of it just felt close at the end
2: it was just a very impressive performance by miami in late in the game yeah. so i guess I'm, yeah. I'm more impressed by i can't help but be more impressed by miami than than a uh,
0: uh, look I feel like at Baltimore. Baltimore like blew it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I you know. And did that. A lot in that game. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that you can make a case for all three. And I think the strongest thing with the Ravens would be the fact that Lamar was putting on a show in that game, yeah. and nobody's talking about it because they let Tua yeah. throw for four hundred sixty-nine yards and six touchdowns. So I think that in in a sense makes that one even worse than just the the twenty-one point lead is the fact that they, you know, they they did that, you know. Wasted such an all time performance by Lamar Jackson in this one, but it has to be the Browns simply because (laughs) not all the comedy of errors, all the things that happen there, and to have it happen to the Jets of all teams like a team that you would, I guess, when you look at these two, you're like, Yeah, well, who would be more likely to have something like this happen? And yes, I think the Raiders one was. Also very bad, but it, like the Ravens, I mean that was also a slow burn. It's twenty to nothing at halftime, and what made that one bad was that the Cardinals looked like they had no business being on that field, and the fact that the Raiders just gave them so many chances to get back in that game. Just horrible defense, stupid penalties, and ultimately two Hunter Renfro fumbles. Like they, he fumbled once, he, he recovered fumbled and it, got
2: it back, but then he fumbled the next play. Yeah, it,
0: it just, just horrible. Uh, but the Browns is just just special in their own right. And when when Nick Chubb scored there, I thought to myself, he probably should have gone down. Like, if anything, it's better that he scored here. But it won't. He's work.
2: ran out of bounds before.
0: <laughs> yeah, who, I remember he against the Texans a couple years ago. He ran out of bounds at the one yard line. Now he was he needed to get to the two for a first down. So there wasn't as much room, as much time for him to make that decision. But it shouldn't have mattered. You have the extra point. You have the just letting Corey Davis run free for 66 yards Joe Flacco easiest touchdown pass he's thrown in a decade probably and then to give up the onside kick at that point I was like wow the Jets might actually pull this off and Joe Flacco just surgical on that game-winning drive and ultimately the Browns I mean Jacoby Brissett before that pick he wastes 10 seconds scrambling yeah he gets 21 yards but he loses a play and then that's why he didn't try to throw it because he threw it right to a jet and just a comedy of errors for them to, to blow that game. We are just like, how did that happen?
2: I don't like the jets, but I don't care. That was so funny. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I, no I enjoyed, it. it. <laughs> and then, and then even, and even the dolphins Ravens one, they Ravens get blow a 21 point lead. I can't help but laugh at that. And I know, I know it's, division rivals and i know it hurts new england more that those two teams won than the other two but yeah you it's... are laughing
1: from the bottom of the division brian so yeah. be careful well
2: miami's hey. looks like they're gonna be good but
1: yeah jets yeah
2: i still don't think they're good and i can't help but think that i texted cory after those games like th- those were those were funny i don't i know it benefited the division rivals but i don't care
0: Yeah, and I I think for me, part of the reason why I'm not as upset about the Steelers losing was the fact that the Browns and Ravens both lost in such horrible fashion right away that it's like, okay, I can kind of get over this quickly and find some joy right now in watching football. So
2: The the AFC North did not have a good day.
0: No, it did not. I guess real quickly before we get to that, I I think that we can all agree that... um, not all Browns fans, but the ones circulating on social media deserve to see their team lose that way. Like I think there are a lot of Browns fans that not only watched a horrible collapse, but they also don't have jobs anymore because of uh some of the photos from that stadium, the tailgate. Did you see the one in the parking lot with uh the Deshaun Watson effigy?
1: Oh god, no.
0: Yeah, it oh. was like a photo or so you know, a photo of the tailgate. It said, uh Happy endings aren't illegal, and it was a pic of Deshaun Watson with you know what was supposed to be an erection with a towel over it, and Browns fans just casually chilling with this thing. There I've were seen photos. some bad
2: ones, but I didn't hear about that
3: one.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that one was really bad. There was a photo of what I assume was a couple, male, male and female, with a number four Browns jersey, but instead of saying Watson, one of them said rubbing, the other said tugging. So they're just going <laughs> all in on this. like They're just like, I don't it's not even uh he's our quarterback we'll support him and you know hope that this isn't as bad as it looks they're just going all in on this guy being a terrible person and not even caring it's just right.
2: that one i actually that one i like <laughs>
1: I recently, I only recently found out about a, a picture that surfaced. I think April of last year of Mac Jones in a racist Obama costume. And you know, I'm still rooting for the Patriots, but boy, I look at Mac Jones differently. I'm not about to go like get a Mac Jones jersey that says something heinous on the back of it. That's to lean into it is insane to me. To to, to say you know he's one player on a team and I root for the team. You know I I, I get it. It's 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 hard to stop rooting for a team just because they hire one bad person or or one person on the team does something bad but to to lean into it and 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 really show the the extra support it just seems unnecessary to to someone who who does not deserve it and is the face of the franchise and has all this
2: guaranteed money
0: just insane and like i'm not surprised you know that browns fans are acting this way and it's like part of me is like sad for them that they have gone through so much torture that they have to act like this right now you know they have to justify it because they might have a chance of actually being a super bowl contender for the first time in 30 40 years but it's a terrible look for that team and they they went from a team that i think a lot of people found very easy to root for after you know them being so bad for a long time to like they are very much up there in terms of most yeah, the team in it, football right now it
1: was it was like endearing before and now they're now they're a villain like it's crazy to me because they're in a division with the Steelers and the Ravens, but they're my least favorite team in that division now.
0: Which I is crazy. I love to hear that. I really it's crazy. Do. Yeah, I mean, I'm at the point where like I straight up said I I don't care about you know the the Patriots and the Bucs and you know Brady I should say and like you know how I felt for them the last 20 years because the Browns are that new team right now is the way that I'm looking yeah. at it. So, um, you know, I, I definitely agree with you
2: guys that the the Browns they used to be kind of that. Likeable, lovable losers, I, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But now it's just, I, I don't even want to ever root for them. Like, in any, I mean, I don't like the Steelers and Ravens still, but but it's it's still, I, I don't know, with the Browns, they're not, they're definitely not as likable now.
1: I'm not even endeared by Brownie the Elf, that's crazy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really curious if he'll still be on the uh, the field on Thursday night if they're gonna try to scapegoat him for that loss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, you know, we're talking about AFC North, all three of the teams we just talked about, Steelers, Ravens, and Browns, despite having flaws, you know, things not going perfectly on Sunday, none of them are 0-2 like the Cincinnati Bengals, reigning AFC champions, seemingly had a get-right game going up against Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys, and they did not look any better than they did in week one against the Steelers, and like week one against the Steelers, they... Made somewhat of a comeback after struggling really early, only to lose on a game-winning field goal as time expired. But they're not the only team in the AFC that was a playoff contender entering the season that is still winless through two weeks. Wondering, you know, how they can figure things out. Kenny, your Jacksonville Jaguars are first place in the AFC South and uh, soul first. Yes, the latest victims, the Indianapolis Colts a week after tying the Texans, they go out and get shut out in Jacksonville, just the the house of horrors for that team. And the Tennessee Titans didn't really do that much better losing 41 to seven to the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. And we just talked about the Raiders. AFC West is a tough division. Starting out 0 2 makes you in a really bad spot. And uh, you know, especially one of those losses coming to a, a division opponent, and then the Cardinals blowing a huge lead like they did. So between all four of those teams, who's still being winless right now is the most disappointing?
2: So I think Tennessee sucks. So I, I'm not surprised that they're 0 2 right now. So I'm not gonna go with them. And then The Raiders, one of their losses, came to came against the Chargers in Week One, a a team that I obviously think are better than the Raiders, so that one's not as disappointing. But the way they lost Week Two, though, don't get me wrong, like we just talked about, like that was bad. But, uh, so yeah, you're in an 0-2 hole in that division. That's not good for them. And then when it comes to the Bengals, yeah, it's pretty bad to be 0-2 losing to teams. With quarterbacks led uh with quarterbacks of Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Like that's that's definitely not good for Cincinnati. I still think they'll be fine. I still think they're a playoff team, but yeah, definitely not a good start for them. But if I had to pick one of these teams, I'm definitely gonna go with the Colts. You lost to the Texans and the Jags. Right tied the, the Texans,
0: gate. but might as well And have yes, been the loss.
2: Texans oh, <laughs> excuse me. Sorry. They tied it might as well have been a loss. But uh, yeah, they tied the Texans,
1: what's wrong with yeah. losing to the Jags? Sorry,
2: yeah. So the Jags, I think, are half decent, but oh, come on, like they, they don't have shut a out win. by the Jaguars, like, shut yeah. out, and they don't yes. have a win. I know they didn't have Michael Pittman or Alec Pierce in that game, but it's just God, they suck at Jacksonville, don't they?
1: <laughs> they really <laughs> they, do. They've lost three they really straight do. years
2: now. I think at least uh, at Jacksonville, and they've been shut out several times against them too, and. I I, look the Colts. They're not going to make a Super Bowl run or anything like that. But in this division, I thought they were definitely the best team. But and it's early, but they haven't shown anything, any anything to show that they're that they should be the favorites whatsoever. And yeah, definitely a a year too early on my bold pick about a a (laughs) A under five hundred division because Uh. there's only there's only one win. (laughs) The Texans and Colts don't have a win and. Yeah, the, the Texans and Colts, they both oh one and one and the Titans are two oh and two and
1: Jaguars have a win
2: though. Jaguars there's one win through two <laughs> weeks in that division. Which
1: That's is, all they need. Yeah. They could they, they they only need the one win. They're on top.
2: So uh yeah, so for me, Bengals are close second, but I'm gonna go with yeah. I'm going Colts.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it around. I think that I get what you're saying with the Colts and It shouldn't be so hard in this division and both of their games are against divisional opponents so far. Um, But, but the Bengals, if the Bengals had lost to Mitch Trubisky, Okay. And then they lose to Dak Prescott. Okay. But losing to Cooper rush, losing, losing. And you know, it's not one player. I know that, but, but they really should have beaten Dallas. And there, I think for me that my, my, my expectations for them were higher because, they went to the Super Bowl and they looked good last year, and I really thought they'd come out swinging this year. They have a, 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 an opening couple of games that, sure, Week One's a, a divisional matchup, but shouldn't be that hard. Granted, you know they took it to overtime; they it was a close game. But then Week Two, you know, I, I, I hate to hear that Dak Prescott is injured again, but it should mean that the Bengals can probably take the game. I agree with you, Brian. That I think they'll be fine, but it's not a good place to start. And and they, they were
2: they were favored by a touchdown in both games, or, yeah, or six and, or seven points, close enough to. They were six point favorites versus Steelers and seven point favorites versus Dallas. So, yeah, right. The,
1: and losing, you know the the Colts, the the Colts, like you said, they they keep losing in Jacksonville. They yeah it's not good that they didn't win week one, but they they didn't lose either. I just think that the the colts the Colts are a little bit closer to my expectations for them going into the season, whereas the Bengals I thought they would be you know at least scraping by with wins. I thought they would be winning a little bit more handily uh you know like I say a divisional game, and the Cowboys I don't think are bad so i don't think that those should have been blowout games but i i feel like they should have won at least one of them so i think i think it's disappointing for all of these teams but uh i don't know i just i had higher hopes for the bengals and uh they're in a division i don't like they're by default my favorite team in the division i find
2: myself rooting for them and uh doesn't work out no i get it i uh, i can't help but look back on that they they had the game winning drive versus pittsburgh yeah. all they needed yeah. was a freaking extra point and they couldn't get it and so because of that i i still think burrow and chase and higgins like that offense i still think is really good and they they have the jets next week like you got to you got to beat the jets come on i don't care if it's on the road like that's i gotta
1: don't know f- we'll see what flacco can pull out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, go ahead. you
0: know. Part of me wants to go with either the Raiders or the Titans this year. They actually face each other in week three. So barring another tie, one of them is going to be 0-3 and probably have their season over. Um, But I think that my personal biases towards them also need to be taken with a grain of salt, given that my Raiders' take was I don't think they'll finish in last place, and my Titans' take was I think they're the team to beat still, but not necessarily say also acknowledging that they would be worse than they were last year so I think both of those teams you know I I would have expected them to have a win at this point but I don't know that I can really sit here and say like oh I thought they were Super Bowl teams and now they're in danger of having their season be over already so for me it was always between those two teams I think you'd make a strong case for either of them if you look at just out of context the Bengals being 0-2 after going to the Super Bowl and losing the way they did like I think the two really strong defenses in the Steelers and Cowboys not great offenses but you know the the Bengals offenses was supposed to be much better the offensive line is supposed to be better they've allowed 13 sacks or two games that
2: was one thing I forgot to mention is that the definitely the biggest disappointment about Cincinnati is that they actually address their the worst the weakest part of their team and it still looks the same
0: yeah it I mean it does not look like it's been improved and You know, they spent a lot of money in free agency, but the results were still waiting on those. So I I think that it's it's easy to say the Bengals are the most disappointing just based off of the context. You know, I think that the expectation should have been higher than the Colts, but I'm going to go with Indy here. Basically, I think the biggest tiebreaker to me is the fact that it is week two and Frank Reich is already on the hot seat. I mean, coming into the season, that wasn't necessarily something I thought about, yet here we are, where it's like Colts fans already want this guy gone. I've convinced myself that he is a solid coach. You know, he led them to the playoffs his first year there. He's had to deal with a lot of adversity, but Andrew Locke, I think, has kept him around, <laughs> giving him and GM Chris Ballard a lot of job security. The fact that uh, he just up and retired two weeks before the season started, and they can say that... They could be in a much better position if he was still there, instead of having to cycle through Philip Rivers and uh, Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan. But the Colts, to me, just the fact they've looked as bad as they have, where it's like the Bengals—you could say they're, you know, maybe they struggled more with the the Steelers and the Cowboys than some would have liked, but they they came down to the last play and. You know, they're not that far away from being two and zero, whereas the the Colts are much further away from being two and zero. And it's kind of amazing that they were able to come back and tie the Texans, given how bad they looked through the first three quarters of that one, getting shut out. You know, even though I didn't think the Colts were a playoff team, I still expected them to win both these games. And now, it's starting to feel like Brian might have been onto something. You know, like you said, just a year too early. That division looks looks really bad right now, and. Kenny, you might actually end up having a, a Jaguars playoff game this year. So, hopefully they don't play the Patriots again so you can root for them.
1: Oh, please no. I don't want to root against Trevor. <sighs> uh,
2: see, that's so. see with you Corey, like you picking the Colts and you don't even have them in your playoffs. Like I I had them as a a four seed first round exit, but winning the division <laughs> in the in the division that where I I I strongly believe Tennessee is is just not good and Will definitely definitely regress this year, and Houston might maybe are they're probably better than I again another year where they're not as bad as I think they are, but they're still not very good. They're still no, they're, still... I,
0: they're a frisky team. They can maybe steal some wins here and there. You know, like put I up always, a fight the, the but...
2: past couple years. I've I've thought of them as coming in the year as a, a two or three win team, but they're probably a a four or five win team. You know what I mean? Like they're probably mm-hmm. slightly better than I realized but they're still not great. And then Jacksonville yep. again, I I think they're definitely in for a bounce back season and can win more games than they have in the past couple of years and win six or seven games and make some noise and have a chance at the division just given how weak it is. But so because of that, I think I thought for sure that this was Indies to lose and they haven't even shown whatsoever that they're that they should be division favorites through these first two games.
1: Trevor's going to the playoffs.
2: (laughs) Honestly, it could. Maybe. Seriously, he could.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't rule it out given what we've seen from the other three teams through those first two games. So, But, you know, it's one of those things. The the Jaguars just have the Colts number in Jacksonville, but zero points, you know. Even Carson Wentz managed to find the end zone when they played last year. So let's stick with the... um, concept of teams kind of being disappointing but we'll talk about two teams who were in get right spots and they managed to pull out wins just maybe not as uh you know convincing as they were expected to be on one hand you had the los angeles rams jump out to a 28 to 3 lead over the atlanta falcons and almost blew the lead to the team that is famous for blowing leads the falcons coming back you know lots of turnovers blocked punt and Atlanta had multiple chances to to take the lead and win this game. And the Rams barely managed to hang on for a 31-27 to victory. And you also had the Denver Broncos, who they played the Seattle Seahawks on the road week one. Russell Wilson's return. Very emotional game. You can kind of expect for things to maybe have not looked amazing in week one. But playing the Texans in week two, things got to turn around, right? Like they're going to win in a blowout. No, 16 points once again. 16 to 9 final because, you know, they're the Texans we just talked about them. So, that being said, given the the first two games of these teams, despite winning this week, who should be more concerned about their season moving forward? The Broncos or the Rams?
2: So, these last couple questions, I've I've debated between two teams where the first one which was the worst collapse and I was debating between the Browns and the Raiders and then the last question most disappointing winless contender. I was debating between the Bengals and Colts. So I was flip-flopping on those questions. This one, it's not even close. Denver is way more disappointing. Oh my God. Oh, they don't, they don't look, they don't look as good as I, th- I mean, I had the chargers and chiefs ahead of them, but wow, I know they're one and one, but Jesus, they are not getting anything uh, done well offensively. And look, yeah, like you said, Corey, the, the first game. Okay. I, I, look, I kind of get it. It's, Russell Wilson's debut on a, on a different team, and he just happens to be facing his former team at Seattle. So when yeah, you factor just in the a motion, coincidence, when you yeah, the, so the when we you them, <laughs> when, yeah, of course they had to schedule it like that. But so when you factor in the emotional aspects, especially for Russell Wilson, it's you kind of get it. Even though I still think they should have won that game, you kind of understand the the struggles that they had that that game but okay so you you get over that game and yes they lost but now you got the home opener for russell wilson and uh this new broncos team that's supposed to have more promise this year and you're facing a team in houston who is not very good and yes you won but b- barely they didn't look good whatsoever i know they lost uh jerry judy in the first quarter still have Cortland Sutton and Javante in the backfield and Melvin Gordon in the backfield too and they, they they didn't they haven't produced that much offensively and then one of the things I hate the most one thing that drives me absolutely insane is the Broncos fans chanting in come they, yeah
0: they've
3: they're, they're always trolling done incomplete
2: that. passes it drives me insane, but it's I got to say environment but one thing I got to say, though, is that I do love that the Broncos fans were counting down the play clock because the freaking Broncos can't snap the ball because they got a complete dunce as a head coach. And if they, I would fire him now. I'm not joking. I'm, I, I, I've seen enough. He can't. He he can't. Uh, he has no clock management whatsoever. He's a complete bozo. Uh, and I thought you can't oh, hack it. See, after so nice. after the first game, he's he came out and's like, Yeah, we probably should have gone for on fourth down, like, no duh, you should have gone for it and shouldn't have wasted that much time. You'd think he'd learn from that game and not mess it up again. But even the announcer in that game was calling him out. And I I I hate uh I don't like I'm sure Denver will be fine and maybe it's just off to a slow start, but I I think their coach is an idiot and I don't like how they're off. Uh, I don't like their start right now, so I'm gonna. I'm easily taking Denver.
1: I don't know if I'm necessarily gonna disagree on who should be more concerned, but I am gonna disagree at least that it isn't close. Uh, I think. I don't know. I'm not particularly high on Russell Wilson. I don't think. I don't think there's any real reason to. I mean, I think the Col or the the Broncos should be better uh, this season, but I don't think there's any real reason to to think that this was going to be their year. Um,
2: but I don't know. but I, they haven't had a quarterback in... They've had Drew Locke and... Right. Teddy well, Bridgewater. And I know, you Bridgewater. You know, they they haven't and had... Lynch. They've had some decent teams, uh, decent yeah. players, especially on defense, and they finally have a quarterback that can get them over the hump and compete. Well, but do they,
0: though? In theory, yeah, right? In theory. That's the thing is, uh-huh. you know,
2: Russell Wilson... I I
1: I guess I just think his past his prime. Russell Wilson was really good 10 years ago. I uh, I just I haven't been overly impressed with him the past couple of years and so I guess I just don't know that he it, is in my opinion the the answer. People, you know, there's been the sentiment So no, people
2: have been saying that I, and I'll admit I've taken the side that still thinking that he was good and can show that he's still an elite quarterback. But through through these first two games the the side that people think russell wilson is washed they're being proved more correctly than the side that thinks he's still good through these first two games I, I, I
1: think i think he's still good i don't think he's washed but i don't think he's elite either and there's been the sentiment that the broncos are a quarterback away from being a good team i think they needed a little bit more than russell wilson at least you know 2022 russell wilson um, so I think it's still disappointing for them and maybe more so than the Rams but Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions and they're struggling against Atlanta. You know, I I think this is at least comparable between the two teams. The Rams losing in week 1 okay, you know, makes sense. Buffalo's a really good team. Maybe the best in the league, pretty early to say that, but debatable. Um it's at least understandable. But then to struggle against Atlanta struggling against Atlanta is obviously worse than losing to Buffalo. And yeah, they pulled out the win, but I don't know. I mean, I,
2: I, I don't it helps really if they score for me. Uh, they scored 31 points still. Like, they're still good yeah. on offense. Yeah. And even though I've said several times, that's a thin roster, they still have pieces on that offense that can score points. And yes, the defense almost blew it but it's just that the, oh, the Broncos are just not getting anything done offensively and they almost lost to a, I mean, okay. Like I guess the Texans and Falcons are kind of in the same boat, but I know at least the They're, Falcons, they have, uh, they have Patterson who, who was great last year yeah, and yeah, yeah. Drake London, first round rookie. You know, Kyle Pitts if they yeah, ever really threw to him game. could be could be good, uh, yeah. but so the-
1: I I do think I do think that Houston is the worst team. I just think my personally my expectations of the Broncos this year were not that high. Whereas I figured the Rams were going to be one of the best teams in at least the conference, maybe the league, uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily not the case. But they didn't look like it against Atlanta. You know they pulled out the win, but it's Atlanta. They shouldn't have to pull out a win against Atlanta. And the Broncos shouldn't have to pull out a win against Houston either. But if you ask me which of these games would be close, I would have definitely said Broncos-Texans over Rams-Falcons. So I guess that's just to me why I think maybe the Rams should be more concerned or at least that there's an argument for either way.
0: It almost sounds like Kenny's just not concerned about the Broncos because his expectations were so low coming in. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think, think that's yeah, really but, where we're getting you at you think they are
2: a playoff team, yeah. Kenny? wild card probably so so i had the same thing where they're a six seed which doesn't right. sound promising but when they're in a division like the afc west and it's, but Impressive. see but, but i
1: thought but i thought that the, the the rams would be one of the top teams in the conference you know and now okay. they're and both i, looking I had like the rams maybe, as a wild
2: card you know? so i guess that's right the-
1: see i think i was just a little bit higher on the rams uh and, may, and maybe that's on me but that's to me that's where the concern comes from for the Rams is that I had higher expectations. I didn't think the Broncos were going to be bad, but I was, you know, reserving judgment on them to see how things went with Wilson. Because like I say, Wilson used to be, in my opinion, an elite quarterback. Maybe this new team would bring him back there, but maybe it wouldn't. And I don't think he's been, you know, the Russ of, of 2013 since 2013. So I just didn't, I didn't really know what to expect, but with the Rams, I I felt I did know what to expect, and it looks like I was wrong, or maybe I was wrong. It's still it's early, obviously. This is all very early, but right. not a not a great look for either team.
0: No, I think I agree with both of your sentiments on this one. Um, I, I do think that both teams should be concerned, and I, I've talked about the Rams' concerns even going into the season. You know, after last week, getting blown out by Buffalo at home, I mean, it's one thing to lose to a Bills team like that, but then when it's opening night, celebrating the Super Bowl, and to look like you're not even in the same league as this team. I I really wanted to see more from them. And they they got off to a great start. And I think that kind of makes this one such a weird way to look at it, where it's almost fluky in the sense that this was a close game. Um, But I, I do think both of these teams should be concerned. I don't think that it's one way more than the other. But I do think the Broncos should be more concerned just because You know, the Rams scored 31 points. Like you said, like their offense had a lot of questions after week one. And I still think that there are a lot of question marks, like way too many turnovers. And that was what got Atlanta back in this. But Denver just looked incompetent. I was watching this game with friends who had Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon on their fantasy team. And we're just laughing at this team and just their (laughs) incompetence. Like I don't know the last time that I laughed at an NFL team that I viewed as a playoff contender. Uh, like in this kind of setting. It's not like a Mark Sanchez butt fumble. We're laughing that they're like trying to kick a field goal and they they, they can't even snap it. Now they have to punt. It was just insane. Like after it happened last week, for that to happen three or four times in this one, and I think that Nathaniel Hackett maybe can turn things around. Maybe he can figure it out. Maybe he can hire a clock management guy and that can resolve some of these issues, but it just seems like they don't have a competent head coach right now. And, you know, Russell Wilson is at the point where it's starting to question, you know, is he still that kind of player he was when he was like a, you know, top five, maybe top 10, at least quarterback. It's totally
2: fair to question if Russell Wilson is still
0: he had one solid drive one solid drive through a touchdown pass and i think that yeah i think that has to be the big concern ultimately i think that my concerns with the rams are about health my concerns with the broncos are are they even good enough to to be a playoff team in the loaded afc so
2: fire the coach i'm i'm out i'm out (laughs) two games in i can't
0: say i'm not there already with you like it is it's been bad yeah, so, one of
2: my biggest overreactions. Just find someone else. It's not going to get any better with him <laughs> at the coaching uh, position. Just ah, uh, those are just unbelievably stupid.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, move on and talk about Monday Night Football. And we had two games this weekend, or two games this week, I should say, that, that took place with four teams that all had varying levels of playoff aspirations entering the season. And... I think that there was somewhat of an expectation when the NFL and ESPN and ABC scheduled these games that we would have two entertaining competitive ones, and that was not the case. You know, Bills blew out the Titans 41-7, to Eagles not quite as bad, but still 24-7 to over the Minnesota Vikings. So who are the biggest winners and losers? Let's start with our, our biggest winner uh, from these two games. Uh, so
2: if I have to pick one winner, I- I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts. Uh, cause oh man, he looked good in-, in that game yesterday. And uh through two weeks, I I, I mean I- I've done this long enough where where I'm I'm definitely gonna have some bad calls. Where <laughs> <laughs> and like I- I've done this long enough where I'm definitely gonna have good calls and bad calls. And when it comes to the Eagles, I I I feel really I feel just as confident about them um now than I did heading into the season because they that they look great on both sides of the ball because Jalen Hurts has definitely developed more as a passer and they've add, added AJ Brown to their offense, a true number one receiver. And Devontae Smith as your second best receiver, a Heisman trophy winner. That's that's certainly a great uh one two duo at receiver. And then Quez Watkins had a great play, a great deep, deep uh deep play the touchdown yeah, that he 53 had 53 yard touchdown, 53 yard touchdown in the second quarter, second quarter, right? It was the first first half, whatever. I think, yeah, he it was in a, the second quarter, in the second quarter. And so, they got good uh options at receiver, pretty solid backs, and they got a great all line that's giving Hertz time to find open receivers. So, offensively, they look good, but then defensively, wow, they they look their D line is special. And then, Darius Slay had an amazing game covering Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league. And I know Kirk Cousins absolutely sucks in prime time, but still gotta give credit to the Eagles. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins had really no time to some of his interceptions. He just he he would hike it, and then all of a sudden there was an Eagles lineman in his face, and he just had to chuck it. And so even though he sucks in prime time, uh, that Eagles defense gave him fits in that game. And yeah, they look good. I, I'm I'm pretty confident in their chances. This season, and so, but but particularly Jalen Hurts, just given how he's looked uh, in these first couple of games, especially as a passer, because that's always been a question with him. Is yes, he has the athletic ability and can can scramble, but can he develop uh, as a better passer? And I'm not saying he's an elite passer by any means, but I I think he's shown that he he there's a long term future with him. Uh, I think he's shown that so far, especially with the weapons around them. So I am going to go with Jalen Hurts as the biggest winner this weekend, or this month. Yesterday, I mean, sorry, but maybe the entire weekend too. <laughs>
0: maybe, yeah, yeah.
2: I I would say
1: I I almost want to just echo Brian's sentiment of Jalen Hurts. Honestly, uh, he was one of one of my picks here. Um, to to pick someone else on the other side of the ball, Darius Slay with, with two interceptions, I think was, was huge. And just the, just the defense in general of, you know, like Corey said, this was not as big of a blowout as the other Monday night game, but the Eagles were dominant. And that largely to me felt like it was due to the, due to the defense because there were, I don't even know how many turnovers, at least three interceptions. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the Vikings threw, but, um, you know, the the Eagles didn't always capitalize on them, but they didn't need to because the defense was holding it down. Um and, you know, I think the Eagles in general are a big a big winner for the weekend, uh, especially for Monday night, of course. But um yeah, definitely hurts, but I think Darius Slay like, too really uh he he was the shining star on the other side of the ball that uh that really helped them to Secure it when you know twenty four points is good. It's not enough to win any game, but with your defense playing like that, it it makes it enough. So
2: just factoring uh, what his assignment was, he, he had to. I don't. I don't know if he yeah. shadow covered, but like he had to cover Justin Jefferson plenty of times. Right, right. The fact that the fact that he that Justin Jefferson wasn't as like he wasn't going to produce like he did in week one, but the right. fact that Justin Jefferson wasn't he didn't he had like an average game for for his standards, like, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, Darius Slay was great in this game.
0: So I think from a long-term perspective, uh, my instinctual answer here would be Jalen Hurts. I mean, he had an awesome night, 26 for 31, over 300 yards passing, threw a touchdown, two scores on the ground. Coming into this week and really into the season in general, we knew the Bills were Super Bowl contenders, Them beating up on the Titans is impressive in its own right, but I don't know that we learned anything more about them. I think we learned that the Eagles, if Jalen Hurts can play like this consistently enough, are Super Bowl contenders in their own right. Like I, I agree with you, Brian. You should be feeling pretty good about your pick to, uh, you know, Eagles to the NFC Championship (laughs) game. I did have them as a uh, division winner coming into the season, but I was much more reserved about it just because Jalen Hurts. I felt like he's under a ton of pressure, and the fact that he's playing like this in week two, uh, I think that bodes really well for the Eagles long-term. But just to be different here, I think in terms of the biggest statistical winner, just individual performance. Svon Diggs, 12 catches, (laughs) 140 yards, three touchdowns. touchdowns—like Just an insane night for him. On a night when you had two, maybe even three receivers who can make somewhat claim to uh, best receiver in the league, Diggs outshined anyone, and I think that uh, because of that, you know that that has to be a huge win. I mean, the the Bills we know are going to be awesome. We've talked about Josh Allen and Svon Diggs being arguably the best connection in the league, and they, they put on a show in brampton They time, didn't even I have see that.
2: They didn't even have Gabriel Davis. In they that didn't game. no. So, so, so you think there'd be yep. more attention towards Diggs. at least i thought so but
0: i mean 14 targets 12 catches so whether the titans uh well, there was more attention, attention from josh not, allen <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know the titans him. just couldn't stop him and like they they look dangerous and i think that uh Savon digs won a lot of people fantasy weeks you know whether it's a monday night miracle or just making a close game a blowout he, so
2: he uh he's not he doesn't have the speed like tyreek but he's an amazing rat runner for sure
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He he can get open in many ways. So yeah, Diggs was definitely definitely good in that game. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now for our biggest loser of Monday night.
2: Oh, Ryan Tannehill! Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to find uh, someone else. At, yeah. At some point, uh, I don't I don't think it'll be week three. But at some point, they're going to put the kid in there, whether he's ready or not. <laughs> kind of like it, it, I don't want to compare T- Tannehill to Trubisky because. Tannehill's definitely shown more as a quarterback than Trubisky has in his career, but it's kind of like the same thing where it's, they both have a rookie quarterback on the bench. And I know Malik Wills wasn't in the first round, like many people thought he'd be, but he was uh, looked at as that, the other best quarterback in the draft. And so I'd imagine, and, and he, he showed in the last preseason game, he certainly can run too, and certainly has some ability. And so, I'd imagine at some point they're going to go to Malik Willis. I'd, I think Pickett will be the star, a starter before Malik Willis will be. But again, later in the year, I'd imagine, especially if the Titans keep trending downward, that I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill is the biggest loser from yesterday. I mean,
1: I don't even think that it was entirely Ryan Tannehill's fault no, but, that
2: happened. but just the but, way they lost and the fact that he was right. benched, not even the fourth quarter, and he was already benched. Honestly,
1: I think that the fact that it wasn't his fault makes him, you know, more of a a loser for the for the weekend because it shouldn't have been that bad for him. You know, he he didn't he didn't uh, always he make doesn't the, play defense, so he can't but, do anything right, about yeah.
2: that. And then, man, the Bills are good. <laughs> like I I still think that there's still that Buffalo thing where they have never won a Super Bowl. They still and they're, have still, to prove it. they're still going to yeah. f- find right. a way to yeah. choke it at some point. Uh, but man, Buffalo, yeah, they're. They're the best team right now in the league, so it is unfair. But at the same time, like, like it, it doesn't look good for Tannehill, uh,'s outlook, Tannehill's outlook. outlook for this year.
1: I will say another uh, another loser on the Titans to, to two weeks in. I don't know what's. I don't know what to expect anymore. Derrick Henry has just not been. I didn't think he was going to be you know, the same as he was last season or in seasons past, but he just hasn't been producing.
2: I was no gonna way. pick him or I was I was thinking about picking him instead of Tannehill, but I can't help but just being a hater of Tannehill vendetta
0: <laughs> against but, Tannehill. So. But
2: another thing with Derrick Henry is that I've said to myself, like, oh, this is the year finally Derrick Henry will will uh will regress and not look like the yeah. same guy. But then I just I keep getting it wrong but it does look right. like for the first two games that maybe this is finally the year where it doesn't. He doesn't look like that same dominant elite running back.
0: Yeah, and I think both of those guys are great answers. I mean, the Titans definitely had playoff expectations entering the season, and it's hard to look at them even in this bad division. Um, you know, Tannehill maybe wasn't fully his fault, and Henry, it's like, okay, maybe it's inevitable that the wheels would fall off, but they still have both had bad nights. And I think the one saving grace for Tannehill is Muikalis did not look ready at all to take his place. So I think Tannehill bought himself at least a few more chances. Um, Derek Henry can't really say the same with him, but it you know, the Titans aren't gonna bench him uh by any means until it's absolutely clear that he just can't be the, the number one running back there. Uh, but I'm going to go and look at this from a different perspective. I'm going to say whose stock dropped the most from week one to week two. You know what? That's a great point because it's Kirk Cousins after one week, people are saying, Oh, Kevin O'Connell, he's fixed him. Cousins is a guy Vikings offense looks great. And nope, still Kirk Cousins, in prime time three interceptions. He looked terrible. And I think that, you know, now it's like, okay, the Vikings are a really good team that, they just don't have the quarterback, so you know maybe Cousins will come no, out at 3 totally p.m. Fair. next week and look better. But no, that's totally yeah. fair
2: because yeah, the because look Tennessee they lost they got upset by the the Giants, the Giants. upset, <laughs> upset them at home and so uh-huh. and then they were facing a much tougher opponent and on the road and so you kind of figured like all right they're gonna lose but coming into the Philly Minnesota game I I thought Philly would win but I thought it would be even in prime time I, I know Cousins. Again, he sucks in prime time, but I thought that'd be a much closer, more entertaining game. But closer, yeah, more, more the-
0: higher scoring. Yeah.
2: I and that too, a little bit higher scoring. Now, the Eagles probably left their foot off the gas after the first half, but
0: Yeah, I mean they didn't need to score in the second but half. But the
2: Vikings, but- I I still think it didn't show in that game. I mean, the Eagles defense is crazy good, but I the Vikings, they have a great offense. They have they have several good pieces. Justin Jefferson, potential offensive player of the year. Dalvin, I still I know he didn't play well yesterday, but I still think he's one of the top running backs in the league and will still be in for a good year. Adam Thielen might be old, but I still think he's reliable. And then they have KJ Osborne and then Irv Smith.
0: Irv Smith back. He had, yeah, he had a, touch a touchdown. He could have had two
2: if he had if he could catch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, like they have a good offense, and I, even though they were facing good defense, I thought they'd still show a little bit more in that game. So that's a good answer, honestly. And so yeah. It's a good answer to pick Kirk.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just looking at it from the stock perspective, I think that that's kind of the the way. The I'm thing looking with at Kirk it,
2: is that so. when he plays afternoon games, especially against bad opponents, he'll go off. He'll ha- he'll put oh, up yeah. crazy numbers. But then when he's playing in prime time, especially against a really good team, he's just he's bound to throw three picks and a hundred something yards and look like crap.
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that people believe that maybe things will be different with him and we just get more of the same primetime Kirk Cousins, I think that's what makes me lean his way in terms of uh the biggest loser of the night is that you know, we had a lot of people believing that Cousins might have turned things around and it's it's hard to say after just one game that you know, he's not the same quarterback we've come to expect. Still
2: sticking with my uh four seed prediction division winner. Uh, yeah, winning the division, but I'm, I'm still sticking with <laughs> yeah. that. But they
0: they yeah. have the break over Green Bay still. So. so,
1: do you, do either of you know why there were two Monday Night Football games this week?
0: Yeah, they so got rid of it last should, year, but they didn't. Don't they, they you usually used to do that week, week one? one? Yeah,
1: yeah I, week one I'm used to, but week two I was just I was confused by it. Do you like they did it?
0: Used to do week two back in the day, but
1: do you like? Do, do I like it? Uh, well, I didn't watch either game, so <laughs> <laughs> tough to say. Uh, I I think I do like it. You know, I didn't watch this week because I had other stuff going on. But uh, when I am going to watch Monday Night Football, I like to have it. I like to have it start early. I almost I almost wish they'd started even earlier so that there wasn't so much overlap because you can't watch both games. Well, Uh, I think
0: they should have had the other game later. I don't know why they that's well, maybe maybe a
1: little of both do like seven and 10 or something. Yeah, that's what
0: they used to do when they did. Yeah, when they did the Monday Night Doubleheader, it was always like seven and 1030, I think. So, That'd have to be a west yeah, coast game for sure. Yeah, I mean, right, I, yeah, and I guess you lose out on viewers, so it's probably the easiest way to get people right. to tune in is having it eight thirty Eastern time.
1: Well, that's the thing too is I don't necessarily want to be up until one thirty in the morning watching football. I guess it would probably like, yeah, no, that would probably go till like one thirty, right? Yeah, probably. Um, so in that way, I like that they started earlier, uh, and you you can kind of watch two football games at once. But I like I like, TVs, I like so. it. I have one. T- I I have one TV uh-huh. but I, I watch on my iPad or my or my phone uh-huh. um, I actually was watching all three games when the the Patriots the bucks and the Jags were all on at the same time uh, but it, but even if you only get to watch one at a time you have the option uh, I think it makes sense to do two on two on Monday uh, you know obviously there's other things to consider beyond just beyond just viewership and and, and having the option to watch the games but yeah if I'm gonna watch I like I like that they have both I think it's cool I like
0: yeah, it Yeah, it was just this yeah. week I Uh right
2: right no i'm definitely a fan of it i just wish the games were closer because both games are over after the first (laughs) half. i know and that's kind of the disappointing
0: part where it seemed like these would be two competitive games you know on paper and they just weren't so
2: yeah i I didn't think the first game would be competitive at all but but the the second one i thought for sure would be a much better game than it was Uh, the, the eagles played the way i thought they would but I thought Minnesota would show up at least, but uh-huh. they didn't get much done offensively. So I guess that's part of the reason why maybe there's some criticism about the two games. Because what if they were both really close, entertaining games that went down to the wire? Then people would say, oh, we got to have two games. But because they were both bloods, like, oh, no, like, just stick with one game. But I hate commercials. I, like That's why I love Red Zone. Like, I never <laughs> want to watch a commercial during a football game. I'm a meat. Yeah, the, and even they
0: just, find a way to sneak in commercials every now and then. Because
2: I'll watch the Patriots. But if they go to commercial, I'm going straight to red zone. I'm not. Watch, I'm not waiting a few minutes to, you know, for the Patriots game to come back. I'm going straight to red zone, I'm watching another game.
1: But so it was
3: cool what to annoys, just flip
2: back and forth with the games. Yeah,
1: what so, annoys me is you know I like I said I was watching three games in the one o'clock slot on Sunday and you know the patriots goes to commercial so i look down at my phone or my ipad to see the bucks game that's on commercial so i look down and see the Jags game that's on commercial i can't get one game on like they're all they're all on commercial at the same time that's what annoyed me uh, and i don't i don't typically uh go to i don't i don't know where you can watch red zone i don't think i have access to it but um uh, I, I i like i like the idea of red zone just when the patriots run i want to watch them all the way through certainly
0: yeah. I mean, I, I pay extra for red zone. I just have the Steelers on the main TV, red zone on the other TV. Yeah. And then I'm like, what do I do when the Steelers game is over? And I just want to watch red zone because I don't you know, care about any game specifically enough to watch it on its own. Well,
1: that's when it's really good is when your your main team isn't on or when you're, yeah. any of your oh, three sure. main teams aren't
0: on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then one last bonus question I have here: What was the wilder t v moment? Mark Sanchez making a porn reference in the middle of a game, or the Packers having a touchdown celebration where they pretended to get uh tripping balls on ayahuasca?
2: Oh, come on, it's the the first one that that <laughs> I kinda hate that you brought that up because i I saw the news about Mark Sanchez saying something really bad. I didn't look into it until yesterday, and then when I when I heard what he said, I just wow! I wish I unheard it, or I wish I didn't hear it <laughs> because uh, that that was just so it was such a bad joke. Because you could it, tell I, that he 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 had the joke planned beforehand, He's like oh, you know what, I'm going to write this. This is going to be funny. Everyone's going to love it, especially my colleague right here. But then the colleague didn't get it, and everyone just crapped on him for it but for good reason because that was a horrible
0: it was just it was a not a good joke. totally it was out of pocket and like just, that's just out a...
2: of nowhere uh, to say what he said
1: <laughs> yeah
0: kenny did you hear i watched it I've live just, i
1: just listened to it i just listened to it just now i had not heard <laughs> that's easily crazier yeah that's easily crazy i didn't know what to expect but yeah definitely that
0: yeah, I mean, I watched it live and I was like, what the hell did Mark Sanchez just say right now? And I, and I, I guess I didn't know it was Sanchez at the time, but I was like, I'm like 95% sure that he's the one doing this game, sure enough. And Kevin Cooler was just like, why would they be clearing their search history? He's like, I don't know. I thought it was a funny joke. <laughs> and I'm <just> like, why <laughs> so is the that the North first analogy? That,
1: Mark Sanchez.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a wild analogy by him. I do think that the uh, the Packers um, celebration was pretty you know, crazy and something that. Uh, could deserve some criticism especially in an actual you know primetime national tv rams falcons game didn't have as much coverage but that at least was a topical reference of aaron Rodgers. mark Sanders just out of nowhere with that uh so i it's, it's hard not to say him uh all right so with that let's uh let's get ready to wrap this one up with our top five and uh this is a topic that i was Particularly when I realized it was uh, a possibility, I was particularly excited about uh, potentially having Kenny on. So I was glad we were able to do this together. So September 23rd, 1889, the Nintendo company was founded originally as a trading card company. 100 years later, they make their first video game product and the rest is history. So in honor of this company, uh, one of the biggest names of video games, we're counting down our favorite Nintendo video games of all time in this week's top 5.
2: Not 2, not 3, not 4. Top
1: 5, top 5, top 5.
0: So Kenny, as our guest, why don't you get started here with your number 5?
1: Sure. Uh I wanted to give uh I mean Mario's Mario's the mascot. Mario's the main the main Nintendo guy. Uh I haven't played as many of the Mario games as some others, but uh certainly deserves recognition and specifically the super Mario games. I feel like they're kind of almost the main series of Nintendo game. Um, so for my number five, I put super Mario odyssey, which is a 2017 game for the Nintendo switch. Uh, the, I think that most of the Mario games have kind of been this, the super Mario series has been pretty well received. Um, I don't think I've really played much of any of them between super Mario 64 and odyssey, I played a little bit of Galaxy and a little bit of Sunshine, um, but not a ton. Um, but this game really, to me, and maybe it's just because it's the one I actually played, but it really kind of brought me back to the series, and uh, it felt it felt like a special game. Um, I actually I saw Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, speak at a panel before this game came out, and he was talking about having played the game uh, and how much how much he loved it and how much it meant to him. And I just think that they. it it felt special. They brought in a new character with Cappy, which gives Mario powers to, to like take over the enemies when he throws the hat, his hat at them. Um, and it's the classic of you're going to different worlds that each have their own theme. Um, and I think it does a good job of, of bringing that classic feeling, but also bringing something new, which is, I guess something that the super Mario franchise has kind of always done, but Odyssey feels like the most, I think it is the most recent game that has done this. And it, was the 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 first one I had played in in a good number of years, so it was uh, de- definitely something I wanted to get on my list because it it kind of in a sense brought me back to my childhood and has that sort of nostalgia feeling despite only being five years old.
0: Interesting. I um, So I, I kind of agree with you in that I didn't play a ton of Super Mario games, but yeah. I did almost consider uh, trying to find a way to get Sunshine on the list. Uh, ultimately, I just didn't think it was one of my five favorite games. So one reason why I really liked having you on is because I know that you have a Switch, so like you could maybe have more modern yeah. answers than Brian and I could. For me, Nintendo is much more about nostalgia. Though, at number five, I was... Tempted to go with a Switch game. I decided to go with the original GameCube version. That is Super Mario Strikers. And not really a huge soccer fan, but I always have loved playing the Mario Soccer series. Just like a wild, intense game. Just being able to check people into the side of the stands and zap them. And you have the uh, the Super Strike goals. are always entertaining. I played the Switch version with my friend right after it came out and i thought it was really cool and i was like i almost like this better than the gamecube one but i haven't played it since so didn't feel too right putting that one in my my number five spot but just in general big fan of this series I think there are a lot of people that really like the wii version um mario St- yeah. striker supercharged or whatever charged mario
1: strikers charged i think charged is what yeah called. i
0: think a lot of people like that one the best but for me, the GameCube is the original one I played, and I think that's one I have the most nostalgia for, and that was why that one came in as my number five.
1: I did really like the, the Mario Strikers Charged on the Wii, and I think it built on the on the first game, and I I did play that one quite a bit, so I think that might be... Uh, the one the one I would have picked if I'd included it but I just wanted to say some of the some of the blood curdling screams that the characters make <laughs> when you check them into the electric wall is it, it, haunting I still have, I can still hear Daisy scream in my head it's oh it's terrifying.
0: I, yes it is insane for like a you know 10 year old playing that video game Uh, definitely a lot but I think it also adds to kind of the funness of it is just you know how wild they were
1: I also just want to mention Waluigi does a, a crotch chop at one point, which is again alarming uh-huh. when it's in this Mario soccer game.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of things in this one too, which I think almost adds the appeal of it where it's like, oh, they're like a little edgy in this game, which is, you know, much more yeah. than you're used to in Mario games, whether it's sports related or not.
2: I've only played uh, Super Mario Strikers a few times, but one great one memory I have of playing it was so a bunch of us in our fantasy football group, uh, we were at a friend's apartment, uh, and we were doing this challenge that involved, uh, donuts and beers and a few other things. And, uh, it was a 24 hour challenge. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into that much detail about it, but what was great well, was clear that search history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what was great is that, uh, we spent the entire night playing this game. <laughs> like, we, we we, we, probably stayed up till, like, or most of us, we sp- stayed up till, like, 4 in the morning playing it. We played it for, like, six straight hours while doing <laughs> the other stuff. And that's that's definitely the... That was the first time I think I had played it. And it was definitely a lot of fun uh, taking turns with the uh, controller, playing super mario strikers and it's definitely an easy concept or definitely easy to grasp on how to play and definitely a lot of fun
0: yeah so never that's my main FIFA memory guy, of playing that game I, <laughs> uh, yeah never a fifa fan but i could play super mario strikers yeah and i like fifa you know, too a long but, yeah, time
2: definitely super mario Strikers is definitely uh it's definitely quicker to get from one side to the other
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh than in fast-paced FIFA. games yeah a little higher scoring so. exactly
2: so for my number five, I went with GoldenEye 007, and like Corey, my choices are gonna involve more nostalgia than anything. And when it comes to me in video games, I'm 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 pretty simple. Like it, for me, it's it's sports, first person shooting, and Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like that that those are really <laughs> like the three main gists for me when it comes to video games. And in in uh in GoldenEye, uh, Nintendo. Uh, the The graphics, so it was. It came out in 1997, and the graphics, yes, like now it's terrible. But you're playing as James Bond, playing as a first person sh- shooter, and playing that as like a five year old or six year old, like it was. It's kind of cool. And I remember having the James Bond video game where it was a uh, Quantum of Solace for Xbox, and I thought it was a really underrated video game. I that I enjoyed, even though it was really just a story mode. I played. Uh, I, that was a cool video game uh when i played it on xbox but the first james bond game i played was that was golden on nintendo and again like the graphics aren't great the, the ak-47 looks like a pencil when you when you hold it uh but just just being at that age playing a first person shooting game playing as james bond it was kind of cool so i had that as number five
0: yeah, I'm glad that we got GoldenEye on one of our lists here. I, I've never really played the N64. I've definitely watched people play it, but I've heard so many things about this being such a classic game that it kind of felt like somebody needed to to get it on there to to make these lists feel, yeah. um, you know. The, the, the game that really got
2: me into first-person shooting was the first Call of Duty, like the very first one, Finest Hour, and playing the story mode uh, through World War II. Like, that was definitely the game that probably got me into to first person shooting games the most but uh or the start of it but 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 GoldenEye was was it was for its time it was it was a good game
0: yeah yeah and i think that's the big thing is for its time just yeah, yeah.
2: Ha- have to put have to put it out there uh for its time
0: uh-huh
1: D- 007 also had uh some good gamecube games they had uh Agent Under Fire and Night Fire. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which of them I played more because a friend of mine had both, but we we would play both of them. Uh, one of them we would play for hours and hours. Uh, the the head to head. I didn't include either of them on my list, but that was another one that I used to play a uh, a lot. The uh, the multiplayer with my friend. It's good times. Yeah.
2: Um.
1: But for my number four, uh, I chose Animal Crossing. And Corey, while you brought up that I might have some more modern takes, uh, given that I have a switch, I'm talking about the animal crossing that came out in, I want to say maybe 2002 for GameCube. Um, I do have a switch and I do like some of the stuff that they put on switch, but a, a lot of it, uh, doesn't quite make the cut for me. Um, you know, Mario Odyssey aside, uh, Animal Crossing has a Switch version and it's every single version of Animal Crossing they've made has been pretty much the same thing. Um, and I still got the Switch version. I still played the Switch version and I enjoyed my time, but ultimately it's the same game. And I think that they did a great job with it on the GameCube. Uh, and they, I guess, didn't really need to build on that, but they never really built on it. In fact, in the, in the Switch version, uh, they have a bunch of DLC that came out, and all of the things are just things that were in old games anyway. So, you know, n- not a franchise that I really uh, think has developed a ton, but their original game was really good. Uh, it's just one of those lifestyle games where you're, you know, you, you're living in a in a town, and you choose the residents that move in and out, and you build things and plant things, and it's just one of those games that it's it's more relaxing. Uh, although you do have Tom nook breathing down your neck to to pay back the the mortgage on your house uh and maybe it's more fun when you're a kid and uh those those problems aren't looming as close as when you're <laughs> an adult but um it, it was it was a really fun game uh it was it was a nice blend of real life and having uh talking animal friends that are that are cartoons um definitely a game that is is filled with nostalgia for me, and they kind of capitalize on that with the switch version as well but uh great game, you know, maybe subpar franchise, but great first game on the GameCube.
0: So I know the Switch version of Animal Crossing got a lot of people through the, the early days of the pandemic. Is very it popular. It came out at a good time. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um I never really got into Animal Crossing, but I do remember watching I, I think you specifically and probably other people play on the GameCube and always thinking it was okay, kind of an interesting game. Um it was never really my preferred way of playing video games but i can uh you know certainly see the appeal to uh, a general audience and um you know not surprised that another you know this one would also appear on someone else's list so uh i guess in addition to the you know switch you know maybe newer type games or different outlook um i also like the idea of not having a ton of sports games on uh, lists, which is something that I can't necessarily say. Not all of mine are sports related, but number four definitely is. And that is Wii Sports. And I mean, this game single handedly convinced millions of kids across the country that they can exercise while playing video games and that they're active and be like, see, mom, look, I'm looking, I'm moving my arms around. I'm getting a workout in. I don't need to play outside. But this one is such a classic, such a simple game, playing it with Mies, and yet so entertaining. It could keep you busy for hours just playing by yourself. And for me, um, I definitely had my preferences in terms of, I think, tennis and bowling are 1A and 1B for me. I, I always go back and forth which one was a favorite, baseball 3 I sucked at golf, and I just never gave boxing a try. I remember oh, the the, the first, yeah, the first day that we had it, my brother was playing, and he got too close to the TV, and he accidentally Oof. punched the TV. It was not as bad as it should have been, but we almost had to get rid of the Wii within a few hours of getting it. Like that's how uh, that's how much boxing almost ruined it. And I think that kind of ruined just the game in general for me. That experience, but. I loved playing Wii Sports really when it first came out and continued to play it pretty much up until my uh, parents' cat chewed through the sensor bar and couldn't really use the Wii anymore. But uh, it's such a classic game. I enjoyed Wii Sports Resort as well when it came out. I liked that they had basketball as part of it, but the original one was such a classic in its own right and hard for me not to include that one in my top five.
1: The, the Nintendo Wii did have an actual game that you could play and be active. It's Wii Fit. Word. They did, yeah. You're right. Forgot uh, about that. On that one.
0: Yeah, we sports just had like the metrics and stuff, and like yeah. you could, you know. But yes, it's All not right. real life sports.
2: <laughs> so for my number four, I went with Pokemon Stadium, and I, I feel like I've included this in a top five way back when. I don't remember what the exact topic was, but this was uh, another game on Nintendo that, again, at like five or six years old, I played a lot and. There were my favorite part about Pokemon Stadium was like the amount of mini games
3: that they had. Yeah, yeah.
2: All, they had so many mini games that were really entertaining, entertaining and kept me uh, it kept me glued to playing the game. Like it wasn't just the showdown in the stadium between whoever your Pokemon was. I usually pick Charizard, uh, but the mini games were especially great. There were nine different ones, and they were all they were all really entertaining for me at that age. And
1: I actually, I actually played a bunch of those mini games a couple months ago. Wow! <laughs> My friends of mine have an, have an N64, <laughs> and we played them. They're still good. They're still good
2: games. So the fact that you're saying at uh, as recent as what two months ago that you actually yeah, played yeah. it, then and, and and the mini games, then that shows you that uh, what I'm saying is accurate because they're definitely they were definitely <laughs> fun, and it was a very successful selling game. It said Pokemon Stadium became one the best selling Nintendo 64 titles selling 1 million copies before the end of 2000. Wow. So.
1: Wow. Pretty good.
2: So, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, I'm, the uh the egg emergency mini game where you're Chanty trying to catch eggs. People again just just over the summer, people were going wild for that game at my friend's place. They would just call it
2: Eggy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I, like-
0: I didn't even know that Pokémon Stadium had mini games. I never played it. I just always assumed it was the battle mode in it. Um, I like it. The, it sounds fun.
2: Uh, it was it was the one where they're like running on a treadmill and and uh yeah. that that one was really fun and a couple other good ones too. Uh the sushi go round. Uh yeah,
1: I like the sushi one yeah. with the lickitung.
2: Those are probably my two favorites, but there are definitely some other good ones.
1: Uh anyway, not really <laughs> a, a good segue point here that I can think of, but uh my number three is uh pikmin 2 for the gamecube um i never played pikmin 1 but i got pikmin 2 must have gotten it for as a gift at some point because i wasn't a fan of the franchise uh but i i played it and i and i i really loved it uh it's you're just this you're these little guys and they've got littler guys and you go and collect stuff and battle these creatures and i don't know what it is something about it is just so charming uh you got five different colors of pikmin these little plant creatures and it just something about it. It just really, really, really captured me. And and uh, I don't know, I, I kind of fell in love with the game and I really wanted them to make another one. And then they did. They made Pikmin 3, which was, you know, good, but didn't really build on it as much as I wanted it to. That was a, that was, I actually, I think that was a, a, a Nintendo Wii U game, not a Switch game, but I didn't play it a ton. Uh, it didn't really capture me as much as, as, Pikmin two did, but uh, I just think they did a really good job of creating this world where you're you have a rocket ship and you're you're flying around to these different areas, but you're a little creature, so you're battling these giant monsters, but they're just they're bugs essentially. Um, and it just it's it's a really pretty game, and I just think they did a really good job with it. Um, and I I I, I dumped hours into that game on the GameCube, so that was uh, definitely one I wanted to include on here for my number three.
0: Yeah, Pikmin is another easy game to just waste a ton of time playing. And I think Charming is the perfect way to describe it. I never had it for GameCube, but I had like the re-release version for the Wii. Um, Didn't necessarily love it, but it was always enjoyable to either play it or watch other people play it. Um, So my number three, finally breaking away from the sports. And uh, we just talked about Pokemon Stadium loving the mini games. I think my favorite mini games game is warrior wear smooth moves for the wii that was a game talk about spending hours like i remember when this game first came out it was like almost every day of the summer we would be playing this one just having so much fun doing all the different mini games in it competing in the challenges and then i always loved the uh the stress of the ropes when you had to cut them at the end like knowing okay it's color might be mine might not be Uh, this is a game that I'm very nostalgic about and I wish that I, you know, still had access to a Wii, still played it. I know everyone loves Mario Party, but I've always been a WarioWare guy and Smooth Moves was, uh, my favorite iteration of the game.
1: I try not to, I try not to think about this too much when I do my top fives, but I didn't, I love WarioWare, but I didn't, uh, didn't include it i didn't when i was i have a list of longer more than five games i kept worrying we're out of the top five because i knew you would have it on your court uh i i loved the game i some of the some of my my best memories of of us uh hanging out with our friends in that era were playing that game and i i actually remember when the game kind of started to die off and we were playing it less and it made me really sad oh yeah it was so good i I agree
0: with it yeah. I think I, I still
1: have my Wii. Maybe we can have a warrior wear party.
0: I'd be I'd be all about it. I um I definitely have the same mindset sometimes. Like there's a game where it's like I think Brian or no, when anything, I think Brian's gonna put it in like his top two. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna bother putting it at number five. I'll give something else a shout out and talk about it then. So
2: all right, so for my number three, I went with Donkey Kong Country. And I remember when I was I would say eight years old or so I got a, a Game Boy SP for Christmas and the game that it came with was, was Donkey Kong country. And it was a, it's a, it was a game that I definitely spent a lot of time playing. It's, it's, it's like Mario with like the side scrolling where you got to go from one end to the other. There is, there is a, that was basically the gist of the game, but there were a lot of levels uh, in, in that game. And I didn't, I didn't get to the very end because it got very difficult, but the longer, the farther you got, and I—I I beat uh, the easy, semi difficult levels, but once it got to like the very end, I—I had a tough time with it. But it was a game that I played a lot when I had the Game Boy SP, and yeah, that's pretty much it. It was—it was—it was the one Donkey Kong game I played, but it was definitely one that I enjoyed a lot.
0: Yeah, I've always been a fan of Donkey Kong the character. I don't think I ever played. Uh, definitely didn't own at least uh, a donkey kong individual game right but
1: i only played a couple of the handheld games in passing but i did have donkey kong 64 and that nearly made my top five that that's another game that i dumped hours into uh you can play as five different kongs um the 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 villain in it is king cave rule who is who is beloved uh in in uh in the nintendo community so uh Nearly put Donkey Kong sixty four, so I'm I'm glad Donkey Kong made an appearance on here in some way because uh, definitely definitely one of the one of the best characters Nintendo has, one of their kind of stars that has seeped into the Mario games as well these days. Um, speaking of handheld games, though, my number two, the only I believe the oh yep, the only uh, non at home console game that I have on my top five here. Uh, is Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, or if, I guess if I have to pick one, I played Sapphire, but they're the same game, really. Um, I, t- t- Pokemon is, is probably, other than we'll see what my number one is, Pokemon's just such a, a massive franchise. It's it's my closest connection to Nintendo, uh, apart from my number one spot in the moment. Um, I played those games so much growing up, and I definitely had Pokemon Blue and Yellow and and Silver and Crystal, which are the Generations one and two games, but the first one I really remember sinking a lot of time into and actually fully understanding what I was doing was the third generation games, Pokemon uh, Ruby and Sapphire, and it just—I I really felt like I was in that world when I played the. It had that game has great music as well, and um, I really got pulled into it. And uh, you know, they, they remade those games uh, for the Nintendo 3DS in 2017, I think, and. I got those and it brought me right back. It's again definitely tied to nostalgia. Um I still like Pokemon, I still play the the games, but I it's not the same. And uh Gen three Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire is really the peak of me um being really into Pokemon and, and really loving the games and the world.
0: So I, before I was obsessed with sports, I was obsessed with Pokemon. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> it, it was it was my my big thing, and I I think that you know by the time I got to middle school was when I finally started to to phase out of it uh, for the most part, not entirely. And um, I agree with your sentiment, Kenny. I mean, Ruby and Sapphire, Ruby for me specifically, hold a very special place in my heart because that was really when I also started to get in to Pokemon and really understand the game, like really put time into it. Pokemon Crystal was the first one that I had. Suicune's still my favorite Pokemon of all time because of that. But um uh, I think that you know, Ruby and Sapphire and eventually Emerald, like that was my peak time in terms of the handheld Game Boy Pokemon. Uh but I, I'm always back and forth on whether or not the second generation or the third generation was my favorite. And because of that, the game that combined both of them, Pokemon Coliseum for the GameCube, has always been my overall favorite Pokemon game, and I had so many great memories playing this one. Just, I love the whole concept of capturing Shadow Pokemon. It was just very unique in that it was similar in a sense to the the overall story of the other games, but it was a very different perspective. And being on the GameCube, it had just incredible graphics. You know, not just for 2004 when it came up but it still does hold up in a lot of senses and. Uh this is a game that I played a ton when it came out and then I got back into it even in high school just randomly my family would always bring our GameCube to our family's beach vacation and we decided to play it at first thinking it was a joke and next thing you know we're looking up uh all the different I don't know if cheat code is the right word but trying to be like okay what do we do here like you know what is the next next step in this game and it's one that I I love going back to unfortunately the game does not work that i own and it's way more expensive than i would want to spend just to play it like once a year but uh this one for me is is always gonna be my favorite pokemon and really it comes down to the fact that it combines my two favorite generations into one game and just uh, a lot of fond memories with this one really i could make a top five pokemon game list in general and have a lot of fun with it but if i'm just gonna pick one that stands out Colosseum is my number one and my number two on this list
1: I did uh I, I thought about Coliseum and I, I even thought about the the sequel game Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, which yeah, is not such a an of, of name. It. Uh,
0: uh, oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> I was very disappointed I, by that one. I thought Coliseum was so much better.
1: Coliseum was better. I I enjoyed uh Gale of Darkness just just because it was more of it, but definitely I agree. Coliseum's the better game. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost I don't know. they only made the two games. I don't know if it's because the second one wasn't as good, but uh, I almost wish they'd make they'd make more, uh, you know, maybe not now, but I almost wish they had then, uh, yeah, in hopes that it would have been as more, more to the speed of the first one.:
0: And then I think one more comment. I' did say Suikun's my favorite because of crystal. Umbreon's my second favorite because of Coliseum. Just throwing that out there. So for my number two, anytime we
2: do top fives, I can't help but put a, one sports related one. And you've already heard it on Corey's list. And my number two is Wii Sports. And I got the Wii, I would say, a later, later in elementary school. And, yeah, getting the Wii and playing Wii Sports, I felt like the coolest kid having it. And even invited some friends over to play Wii Sports. And, yeah, I agree with Corey that bowling was my favorite. Bowling was my best one uh it was yeah i'm not
3: surprised def- by that
2: yeah that's true <laughs> uh <laughs> i never got a perfect score but i definitely came close yep. at times in Wii bowling and then we tennis was definitely fun i liked all of them except boxing boxing sucked i, I didn't like yeah, boxing at all not a but we yeah Wii baseball i could hit i make, I make it sound like a bragging but it's really not that hard <laughs> but i could i could go 10 for 10 in the home run derby it was not that uh-huh. hard
1: and then i knew how to glitch bowling to get a perfect game does that count?
0: <laughs> no, not if you cheated. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, and then what's the, Oh, we golf. We golf. I will say, we golf. It took me a little bit of time to, to really, to to, to 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 get good at it because there were times where I would try to putt, and it wouldn't hit the ball, and then I'd get mad, and all of a sudden I would hit, I would putt it, like off the green, <laughs> from like five yeah, feet away because it was so me, hard was to tap be...
0: it. Right, I agree with that. And then just taking regular shots and it's just like no matter what, the red bar would just always go off to the side and it's just frustrating. And I I never put in the effort to get good at golf mostly because I like the other games, but um, you know, I it's another oh, one. Oh yeah, so, so bowling I fun. was
2: a <laughs> bowling I was a total tryhard and yep. try to get as many high scores as I can in all the challenges. I love the ones where they put give you like a
0: thousand like bowling pins, pins yeah. and you just uh, you just
2: roll it and all of a sudden you, you see it. <laughs> A lot of them just fall over. I thought those were cool. And the, how many and would the
0: fall over if you were playing a candle pin though, with that many pins? <laughs> Man, I was on fire Seven. for two rounds.
2: <laughs> 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 I can't believe I won that game. Sorry, Kenny. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we bowling was easily my favorite and definitely my best one. And then baseball or tennis. See, baseball was too easy for me. So, but that's, like tennis was always a little li- bit. Tennis was a little bit more challenging and there was a little bit more to it than just hitting balls out of the par- ballpark. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would rank it bowling, tennis, baseball, golf, and and then a, a huge drop off to boxing. Yeah, so I definitely enjoyed Wii Sports a lot when I had the Wii.
1: Did, uh, did the Wii come out when we were in elementary school or middle no, school? No, we were so, in sixth grade. So, okay. <laughs> so, so, the thing was,
2: I went to Catholic school and it was kindergarten <laughs> to sixth grade. Okay. okay that and makes then middle sense. school okay, was seventh and eighth. So, that's why. Okay. I, yeah. Sure. So, that's why I was thinking to myself, like, was it middle school or like, no. It yeah. Was Cause I, grade. I always think it's
0: 2007, but it's
1: 2006.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah. It was 2006. Yeah. I think I got it like the I got day after Christmas in 2006.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I think I got it
1: in like January, February 2007.
2: I think that's why it's in my head. Yeah.
3: yeah and I got it December
2: sense. of oh six, which was sixth grade for me well, Man, well sixth was, grade for all was, of us but like still yeah, you shocked
0: yeah. that brian i got a wii before you did
1: oh i was so jealous of everyone who had a wii <laughs> i i was such a brat about it too like i'd go to my friend's house and they'd be like hey you want to play the wii it's like no i don't <laughs> have one it's i don't want to think about it i
2: don't want to look at it i, I was oh, i felt out. so cool having it at the time because when i when i invited friends over like, i was already in my my gym shorts and i'm Whack uh, in yeah. the, the Again, you're ready Yeah, ready to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, see, look at me, I'm getting fit. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I think my parents spent like an extra hundred dollars on it to get me to shut up about not having one. <laughs> like after Christmas and like February. and They already uh-huh. got, got me Christmas gifts. They were just like, okay, stop with the Wii stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh at my number one spot is a is a game for the Nintendo Wii. Um this this is a I almost included two uh, games from this franchise on my list because it's easily my favorite Nintendo franchise. Uh, the the Super Smash Brothers franchise where it's a fighting game that takes characters from all different Nintendo properties and late in the later games of the series some non Nintendo properties. Uh, very nearly included Super Smash Bros Ultimate on my list as well because it's current it's the newest game which I always feel. Is the best of these series, uh, despite what some people really love the GameCube version Super Smash Bros. Melee, which was good for its time. But I, I think that the newer games are upgrades. Um, but Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has it has all the characters that have ever been in it. It brings in more characters than ever before. It really is is something special. I think, and and I I don't think it's ever going to be recreated. Uh, but something else I don't think is going to be recreated is the lead up to super smash bros brawl which is my number one sorry for such a long walk to that but uh super smash bros brawl came out in i want to say 2009 uh and was it that late i thought
0: it, i definitely remember I playing it, it in seventh grade so i think it was i believe 08. it was
1: march 9th maybe it was march 9th 2008 but whatever year it came out it was there was such a lead up to it of i think at least a year where every single weekday they would post something new about the game on online on the super smash bros dojo as it was called and i would get up in the morning rush to the computer to look because i didn't have a i didn't have a smartphone yet no i didn't and i would run over to the computer before school and and see what the update was and you know Corey, i know you said that i wouldn't have as much of a nostalgic take on this but this is you know (laughs) to pick to pick this game in the franchise is pure nostalgia because as i said i think the newest game is is always the best with these but just just remembering that feeling of of having that next update to look forward to the next day and when the weekend came having a reason to look forward to monday to see what they would post about the game uh and and it may be the least popular game in the series among the 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 fans who take the game seriously one of whom frankly i'm not uh but it should the game was just magical to me everything leading up to it and it had it had the best story mode easily of any of the games um something that's not been recreated for a number of reasons in the games but just the story mode of seeing the characters come together and interact just these characters from all different games of of mario and donkey kong and star fox and metroid and just it it was just it was really an amazing thing for for me as as a fan of nintendo to see all these characters Coming together not only in a, a multiplayer fighting game, but a, a real story mode where they were interacting and 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 working together as a team, uh, just really one of the honestly highlights of my childhood and easily my number one spot on this list.
0: Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see Super Smash Bros. on your list or at the top. I was a little surprised by Brawl, but that that makes sense to me. I think just in general, like you said, it's not the most popular version, but I do remember the yeah. build up. Like I definitely remember. Not being as into it, but you like very much like borderline obsessing over this. Uh, oh, I was. Yeah, I I enjoyed brawl a lot. Um, I was very tempted to put melee on my top five just out of respect, but ultimately I'm not all that good at the game. You know, I play that one most often these days because it seems like that's the version that a lot of people just really love playing. Uh, crazy to me that there's still that many working copies of it twenty plus years later. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for the franchise. I I do wish that I was a little better at the games, but I I still have fun playing them regardless. So uh, definitely glad that we we got an appearance here with Brawl, you know, one of the the Smash games on uh, your list at number one, even. Uh for me my number one was never really a question. I we did our top five video games a few years ago. I put it number one then and it you know is gonna be number one on Nintendo as well, and that is Mario Superstar Baseball. And this is a game that I can fairly confidently say that I played this game consecutively longer than I played any other game in terms of just years that I put into this one. Most games I would you know, only get a couple years of shelf life out of them. This one, from when it came out in like 2005, I think, up until 2019, 2020, I played it every single year because my family would always bring it, bring our GameCube to the beach, and this was always the most popular game we would play. Just have tournaments all the time, and I love it. Huge baseball fan as a kid, and you know, always enjoy baseball video games in general. So for me, the Mario Baseball game was never. Uh, really surprising to be my favorite. Just like I said, all that was put into it. And just in general, I think the game was just a ton of fun. Uh, you know, I I think the later versions, like the Wii version added a lot more characters, which was exciting. But I think the GameCube version just played so much better. Uh, you know, just a fun Mario twist on it. I loved all of the like crazy pitches and hits you could do with the captains. And the story mode was really fun as well. Just being able to you know, go through and play all the other teams and steal their players in a quest to ultimately beat Bowser in the end. So I was uh, always a huge fan of this game, and even if I don't play it as much as I used to as a kid, the nostalgia factor is just on another level for me. So that's why it's my number one.
2: Yeah, and it's also my number one as well. I definitely enjoy this game a lot. So there are definitely a lot of Mario Sports games I was debating between and I liked Mario Tennis, Mario Kart, but yeah, my def- definitely my favorite one was Mario Baseball or Superstar Baseball. And yeah, I I just like the strategy of picking from all the uh, Mario characters, Super Mario characters, and who 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 should you play at this position and that position, and who should what should the Bang Lamp be like? I always would go with Waluigi as my pitcher. Even though he was yep, the worst saying, hitter. Yeah. Oh, it was uh-huh. it was like having Randy Johnson on the mound.
3: <laughs> it was yeah, crazy. Yeah, Dontrell Willis. You. i always call him uh Don'tre W-train Willis because of the yeah. leg
2: kick. <laughs> yeah, because of being a lefty with his crazy leg kick though. Yeah. Yeah. He was disgusting as a pitcher. So I would always use him as a pitcher and and I would always have Yoshi uh as my leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. And then having Donkey Kong or Bowser as like that cleanup hitter uh they don't they don't get a lot of contact but when you get contact oh you're just smashing it
0: out of the park yeah, yeah
2: they're they're out of the park and so it was good to have them in your lineup as well and I can go on and on with the characters and yeah it's definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely a fun game I'm not very good at it anytime anytime I come to your house and Bmac and I would play a lot I think Bmac would beat me pretty much every time but <laughs> I still I still enjoyed it
0: yeah I mean my brother is definitely the best of us um i I would win enough that I would still enjoy playing, you know, but it was it was always disappointing to to lose that game and just because I loved it so much and took it so I, seriously. I will say but, yeah
2: if 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 there was like a big tournament between a bunch of us i would I would definitely uh-huh. be one of the lower seats, but
0: <laughs> oh yeah, well. I mean at this point, I don't know how I stack up because I haven't played it as much, but back in the day, it was definitely you know good enough at this game
2: oh, there are definitely games I feel like that where I don't remember if you remember the game ATV Off Road Fury, but there is <laughs> yes a, I do. Uh-huh. There is that game I would kick ass in that game, but then I remember playing it at uh, another friend friend of ours' house. I, I always stink, and I'm like, man, I, I, in my heyday though, I could I. Could. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's so. That's another example of uh, like there are certain games where in your heyday, like oh, I would have, I would have kicked ass, but now it's like oh man, it's been so long since I played certain games that I don't know how I do now.
1: I also loved uh, Mario Superstar Baseball and Mario Super Sloggers for the Wii. Uh, in my original top five, I had Mario Superstar Baseball at number five. And then before seeing either of your lists, I thought, what am I doing? Why, why am I bothering <laughs> putting this in your number five? Uh, actually, I even played a lot of that game with my dad uh, growing up. He he really enjoyed it as well. Um Another another game I just want to throw out there that, that I didn't get to include was anything from the Mario Kart franchise, but especially Mario Kart Wii with the yes, Wii Wheel. That was, that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Just barely didn't make the cut. And and there's a really funny video I have of us playing Mario Kart 8 on the Switch and Corey insisting that he gets the Wii Wheel and our friend Jack telling him that there is no Wii Wheel. <laughs> uh, but Corey insists that he wants the Wii Wheel.
0: Uh, I, do, I only play it with the Wii Wheel. <laughs> there's no Wii um, wheel card. <laughs> yeah no i get that i um so i would say that if i did a top five video games i wish i was better at mario kart would be number one on the list just in general i never played mario kart a ton um i was definitely expecting one of you to have it on your list i know brian initially had it on there every now and then i'll have moments where i play someone who sucks and i do great and other times i just i'm you know not even competitive i might as well be one of the ais <laughs> in the race <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is a fun list. I, I was excited when I saw that was a possibility. Glad to go through this. And, um, you know, I, I I really want, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I really want to play uh, the, the Mario Super Strikers Switch game again, because I had so much fun one night playing it three months ago. I just haven't really thought about it a ton since then. But definitely even though i don't know that i'll be getting my own switch at this point i do still enjoy you know when i'm at someone else's house and you know throwing a party or whatever just break it out and being able to play these games uh you know just brings back nostalgia even if it's a newer version or even just playing the old gamecube version so but that'll do it for this one so um i guess real quickly so, Zedano Chara, PK Subban, and Keith Yandel all announced their retirement on Tuesday. Uh, you know, Brian, I know you have uh, sentiments toward a couple of those, probably in various directions. <laughs>
2: I don't, I, yeah, obviously Chara, that's, that one hurts. End of an era makes me feel older. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, he's like 45. I know, so but it's, it's just like another guy <laughs> that I watched <laughs> that is now uh-huh. not playing anymore. It's just, it's just, the list is just going to get. Up longer and longer but, but yeah yeah definitely a great Bruin, one of my favorites uh stanley cup champion wish it was a multiple time stanley cup champion but still definitely uh one of the best uh bruins players especially my lifetime and true pro to the game and definitely uh ashamed that that he's no longer the league but i mean it was his time he can't play anymore he's too slow now and who knows? Maybe there'll will be a a future coaching opportunity in Boston. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah. For PK Subban, I didn't hate him, but but yeah. But who's the guy on the Canadians that you root against? And definitely one of their best players at the time, and uh, he had a good career as well. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, only thirty three years old. So a little but he's been in the league since he's like twenty. So right. he's he has some mileage on him at this point. And I think that it's it's definitely been clear that he's not the same player he was, you know, in his heyday in Montreal and even in Nashville at the beginning there. I mm-hmm. think there's a good chance we're gonna end up seeing him on T V in some kind of broadcasting role. He's definitely a big personality, so I'm sure that he has to be on a T. Oh, I could I can definitely see him he
2: was doing in uh game analysis for I think for Angel Network. So.
0: Yeah, I thought he was doing something. He was doing
2: something so. or post game related, and he yeah, he definitely shows some personality and knowledge. So I I can definitely see him excelling at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I just I feel old because I watched PK Subban in the minors and uh, the and Amer- the AHL, the American Hockey League. Oh team, man, and, uh, saw him at the All Star <laughs> game in two thousand ten. Now he's retiring.
0: Yeah, I guess I mean he's retiring early or you know yeah. early yeah. early age. Um, I was a little thrown off by that, but yeah, I saw that. I saw the Chara, um, you know, retirement posts, and then I saw on ESPN that Subban also retired. I was like, oh, they retired back to back. is kind of interesting. Former Bruin and former Canadian, um, and then Yandel also announces as well. I think he set the Ironman streak, but he was his time was up too. But yeah, just another one of those. Yeah, I feel old because you got guys that you watched grow up, uh, you know, play for so many years, leaving their their league. So
2: yeah. It, it makes me feel old when when guys like that are like done, and then and then we draft our fantasy teams. Like more than half the guys are like younger than us now, which just
0: oh, makes me oh feel hot yeah. think about that. I know it's, it is crazy to think about, <laughs> but that'll do it for this one. So Kenny, thanks for coming on. Uh, as a reminder, C Team Show. You can find Kenny on every week, new episode, yeah, talking still about going a strong. random talk it. Yep. So. Uh, certainly expect to have you back on again at some point, uh, probably before the season ends and uh, you know Brian and I'll keep going at it uh, you know I don't know if it'll be every single week during the season, but we'll try to you know at least every other week more often than not. So for our guest host Kenny Cashman, my regular co-host brian wells I'm Corinne Vatney. Thanks everyone. <laughs>